At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies. We keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success. Wait, so, okay, what's on the docket for today, Aaron? We got Hot Stocks Luke or what? That's a good question. I um, Do we even I, know? I was just asking him to come over here. I don't know. Are we doing trivia? I don't even know if we're doing trivia. No, yeah, I don't think we're doing trivia. I don't tri- think we're doing trivia well, today. Well, we could do our own. Uh, we, we haven't done a, a guess that chart all week. We should probably do that. Yeah, we can also play Wordle. Um, so we, we have we have, Ke- we have Kevin Kelly joining us uh, from Kelly ETFs. He launched his own firm like yesterday. Uh, so we'll talk to him about that. Uh, and then we, we got we got producer Rohan and his. Potentially. And his, potentially. And, and his friend who drove a Rivian. Is that right? Yeah, supposedly. Maybe, supposedly? Allegedly? We've got some big headlines, too, today just to get through Spencer. Uh, I mean, on the docket, we got to talk about the uh, Las Vegas Sands. Yeah, Macau. 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 Uh, and to me, I, I have a take on that. Um, and then we've I, I was open the show by talking about the Tesla Cybertruck. Mm. I just, I mean... I, I don't know. Like, are we ever going to see the Cybertruck being produced? Yeah, yeah. Oh, will like we in, ever see in, it yeah. in 2022? Oh, <laughs> that's the question. Well, ever? I mean, I don't know. I think <laughs> I think like the more it gets delayed, the the less likely it is to ever. Do here's a conspiracy theory. Do you think the feedback on the design was so brutal that they are just totally going back to the drawing board? Well, I don't know because some people love it, and I think they were going. Really? For, I think they were going for something polarizing. It looks like the Batmobile, and then it just gets more people to talk about it. I think it's honestly kind of genius marketing. I just don't know. I don't know. I I, I don't know. Will we see the Cybertruck in production this year? Odds are no. I'm going to go ahead. And chat, say- someone said the chat. It's supposed to be uh, uh, by the end of the year there'll be limited production or something. Try to find that comment. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I would sell that. I, I, I would, I would take the under. All right, here we go. Gene's asking about Roku on a two to five year outlook. Um, this is what I like. If you're gonna ask about a stock, give us a time frame that you're looking at it. Let us know if you're looking at it for a trade, a nice little swing trade, or or more of a long term. Okay. Um, okay. So how far back are you going right now? What, what, what is that? Um. This, is this 20, where my, my cursor is right now is twenty seven or twenty eighteen. Okay, that's five years, right? Four years, sorry. Three, yeah. Um, four, three, four. No, Christian, the, the it's just a rumor that Tesla. They didn't actually confirm anything as far as timeline. They just that's sort of where people why people are talking about it right now. Um, okay, Roku, two to five year outlook. Um, I think I think the fundamental. I mean, I haven't looked at the fundamentals in, on Roku for a hot second here. Um, they got past the, the 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 YouTube nonsense, right? The the the, the Google nonsense, where they were gonna get, uh, YouTube was off the was off the platform or whatever. Um, I like Roku long term. Uh, I guess in this case, two to five years would qualify as long term. Yeah, I, I I'm I would totally be in the bull camp on Roku um, because the industry that they're in, streaming. I I think I think 
people assume uh, just because certain demographics, just as young people are cutting the cord and are streaming doesn't necessarily mean that that's that everyone's doing that. Um, and like e-commerce, for example, right? The the number that Amazon always cites in their in their antitrust stuff is that Amazon is that e-commerce is uh, is a minority a minority of retail sales, right? In the U.S., a majority of retail sales happen in person, and that's what that's a stat that Amazon clings to. And I think that you can say the same for probably streaming, right? Is as much as people are cutting the cord, uh, there are still more cable uh, people who have not cut the cord than those who have. Um, but the trend is accelerating and it will continue to do so. So I would like any company that facilitates cord cutting and I would not like any company that hinges on um, the the cable distribution, the cable bundle model, right? So Roku would, would fit into the, the former category uh, and I'm, I'm down with that. So two to five years, I'm bullish. Um, Charlotte looks pretty bad though, I'll give you that, but... Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, if it it were me, I would wait a little bit to see if we get that reversal. If we start coming back up, then I'd get in then. Um, Wait, did Elon Musk, wait, 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 what did he ask us? He said he'll add sheep soon. Really? Elon? Damn. Heard it here first. Why is Elon so obsessed with, like, phallic stuff? That's like, a good question. Uh-huh. And like he made like the Tesla, it's like the the Model S, the three, the X, and the Y. Like, come on, man. Um, I think he just has the sense of humor of like a senior. <laughs> Maybe he does. I have no idea, man. Wait. He's a genius. He's a free. He's a literal genius. But the guy's got a sense of humor of a twelve-year-old. Whatever. Um, by the way, did you guys miss yesterday's show? If you missed yesterday's show, uh, you should you should check it out. We had a very rare. In office guest, in studio guest, Al Harrington, the NBA legend. Although I, I look, he was looking, he was never an All Star, which I, I thought he was. Sixteen uh, year career in the NBA: Pacers, Knicks, um, Warriors. Uh, he was sitting right here yesterday, and he hung out with us and talked about cannabis. He's got, he's, he's got a. Uh, He's, he's he's got his own business, so um, good for Al. Yeah, it's awesome. It's awesome. I love when when I love when athletes are or not not athletes. I love when celebrities are like more than just like shills. You know what I mean? Like I think I think we're moving past the age where celebrities are just get paid to endorse like stuff. I think now they're going to have more skin in the game. You have celebrities have their own production companies and VC firms and cannabis companies. And I'm, I'm for that. I'm for that. Um, thank you, Toffee. I appreciate that. See you later, Dylan. Wait a minute. Justin, thanks for the reminder. Hey, where is the samples that Al left? You're asking me? No, no. Actually, I, I, can, I know that you didn't take them. I'm asking you because you and I are the ones that should have gotten some. Yeah. And they're gone. <laughs> I can agree. Really? They're gone? Or they're I don't know missing? where they went. Right. Somebody over on that side of the office took them. And mm. it wasn't Aaron and me. We were here. Mm. Justin, I have no idea how it was. They're gone. The mystery continues. But where is the Viola samples? Someone who's around. They can't really hear us because it's like around a wall. But... 
we need to investigate this urgently. Because it, it, it was there, I saw it, and then it was then I look, I went back later, it was gone. So, um, someone in the chat early, like earlier, like hours ago, said that I, I like I was high, and I was like, you think I'm high at work? Are you are you kidding me? No, we're not gonna like do it on, on a stream. Um, well, but, Elon, right? That's true. I don't know. Uh, but no, we're, we're not high. Uh, we haven't had the samples, so we don't know where they are. But we'll have to find them. We'll have to track them down today. Um, I'm very much looking forward to our Rivian segment uh, later, um, if that ends up happening, uh, because I want to hear all about this car. Uh, I've seen pictures. It looks okay. I don't know if I love it, to be honest with you. Um, but uh, do we do we do mushrooms? <laughs> no. I mean, I don't. I can't speak for him, but I'll just say no. I don't. I'm not. Wait, Easy Mike is saying my mic is my mic is being shit. Is that true? God damn it! I have one of those days. Um, we we don't have a producer right now, <laughs> so we're just kind of running solo here, Aaron and I, which is fine. I suppose that's how we do it. Yeah, I'm trying to see if there's any other big headlines. Yeah, um, casinos. Wait, do we do we get distracted off that? Macau. Macau, yeah. I mean, so a, a few months ago, when was that? It was September. September. It was September. And as I said this morning, if you missed it, wait, can I bring up your chart or do you want me to bring up mine? You can bring up mine. Okay. Yeah, Las Vegas Sands. So uh, the headline today is that there are new rules coming from Macau. They're going to cap the number of uh, casino licenses. They're going to lower the, uh, the length of the license terms. Um, but what today is is an example of of why the stock market loves knowing things and why it hates not knowing things. So what Aaron just referred to was back in September, there was several reports out of China that the Chinese government was going to take a uh, a new look at Macau and the casinos that operate there and maybe crack down on them in terms of regulation, maybe change the rules somehow. And if you go look at Aaron's chart... You can very clearly see um, – let, let me actually bring up mine. I, I kind of prefer the white background, if I'm being honest with you. So um, let's, let's share my screen and bring up my, my charts here, and I'll get LVS up there. So there's my chart, not, not the gap. We don't want that. Okay. So on the daily, you can very clearly see – in September, that that huge move down, that a huge volume spike and the huge move down, that is when that headline broke. Uh oh, the government wants to uh, take a, hard, a closer look at Macau. Macau is like operates like pseudo independently, right from China, like not really, but also like kind of, sort of, um, or maybe on paper only. Uh, anyway, uh, the market did not like that at all. This is just Las Vegas Sands. You could look at win as well. Um, it hates not knowing stuff. Well, today, that unknown became a known. Oh, okay. That whatever, whatever they were gonna do, they just, they just did it. Okay. Whether or not it, you know, it's end up, it ends up being a net positive or net negative is sort of a, is besides the point, frankly. Um, and you can actually see Las Vegas Sands right now. We're at forty two dollars. Where were we in September of twenty one? Forty two dollars. We just went right back to where we were. So it's a lesson in in what happens 
when an unknown becomes a known, when the market gets clarity, that's all the market wants. It's clarity, right? It just wants to know things. And this goes for this goes for macro shit. This goes for economic data. It goes for the Fed especially. It just wants to know, right? That that's why there was so much uncertainty about the Fed in the past couple of months, because first they said there there is inflation, but it's temporary, and then it's not temporary, and there was all this con- confusion about what that meant in terms of their policy. Well, they've been pretty they've been pretty consistent for the past couple, uh, or I guess the last one meeting. But well, his 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 testimony, and then the hearing before that, they they've they've been pretty consistent on that front. So the market just likes to know things. That's the bottom line here. And so today. All the casino stocks are higher because now we know what the deal is with Macau. You can look at Win up 7%. Look at Melco, MLCO, which is up 16%. Lower price stock, though. MGM, which has some Macau exposure. Uh, oh, it's flat. It's notable. And um, I always like to look at Penn. Penn has zero Macau exposure. So this headline does not concern them in the least. And Penn is down... Two and a half. Penn's in an ugly downtrend here. I know it's it's brutal. I might buy into Penn soon for a long term. Well, yeah, like so. At a certain point, this like this becomes a great buy. I just don't know when that point is. To be honest with you, what what's the what's the valuation of this thing? What's the PE? Twenty one PE. PE. I'm seeing a forward PE of sixteen. For okay, that's that's pretty reasonable. That's very reasonable. At a certain point, this does become a buy. We had a whole conversation on pre-market prep this morning about Robinhood. It's the same idea, right? At a certain point, it becomes a buy. I just don't know when that point is. I mean, yeah, Robinhood looks like it is. No, but at a certain point, it it, it, it gets attractive. Oh, a hundred percent. You know, but it might be at at eight bucks. I mean, yeah, that's the that, yeah. You're, I mean, you're right. I wish we knew the answer to that question. Um, I mean, SoFi too. SoFi is down to. Oh, Don't thir- even tell me. Wait, what is it? Below thirteen dollars. Uh No, I cannot look at this because the more I look at it, the more I want to sell it. But no, I'm not selling. I know why I'm in this. I'm in this now. If they don't get the bank charter, then like I'm shit out of luck. I'm screwed. Then yeah, if they don't get the bank charter, then I am selling. I will say that now. I am selling so far if they do not get that charter. Um, but until then, I'm I'm S O H sitting on hands. That's what I'm doing. Can we can we look at DraftKings? Who whoever asked that? Sure. Who asked that on the chat? Holy cow! Yeah, Ryan, don't worry about me, man. I've I if. I know why I buy things. If I buy things for a trade or if I buy things for an investment, I know the difference. SoFi is an investment for me. I I did not know DraftKings had gotten this low. I, I'm not sweating that SoFi just yet. But the bank charter will change everything, right? Wait a minute. Who asked about DraftKings just so, uh, just so I can give them acknowledgement? I can't find it in the chat. Forget it. Anyway, DKNG, this is, I don't know. Oh, Easy Mike asked about that. Um, Go to a weekly on that. Holy cow. 
It looks like it wants to give back all of 2020's gains at this point. Look, the COVID low was was ten dollars. Not even that far away from that. I'd buy DraftKings at ten dollars all day long. Me too. It was a spec, wasn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I, I'd buy DraftKings at ten. Should we make a shopping list of all the things we would buy if they got to the single digits? I'd buy DraftKings at ten. If they got to the single digits, all right. I'd buy Baba at ten. No, no. Or at nine. No, I meant like, I meant stocks that were like relatively close. <laughs> Baba is not going to single digits. If Baba goes to single digits, we got problems. Um, or I mean, we don't. Have, I don't have problems because I don't own that. But other people have problems, I assume. Um, yeah. Easy, Mike. I also love college basketball. Someone else was talking about the Terps in the chat the other day. They were? Yeah. I think it was Bull Bear Jeff. I don't know if he's out there today. Really? What, what was he saying? I mean, I'm the season's lost. Hey, producer AT, they're saying my mic is a bit crackly. I'm not sure if you can fix that for us. I'd appreciate that. Um, they're saying my mic is, like, crackly on my end. I know we had this problem yesterday. It's like a, I, I've got a loose connection somewhere. I'm not really sure what's going on. Sorry about that, guys. Maybe Aaron will have to get under the desk here. and I don't know. We will figure it out as we do at Benzinga. We find a way. <laughs> we find a way. Should we do a um, a crypto update? We should, Spencer. All right. Let's bring up the heat map and uh, play our little video. Where's my heat map? There it is. Crypto, crypto, crypto. So we know Doge is up, right? We see that. 15% because Elon Musk. The rest of it looks pretty quiet. Near. We have to look at near protocol. Up 4%. And guys, holler at me if, if, my, uh, if my mic gets better or worse. Because I... Um, Aaron's futzing right now with the with the wiring. Yeah, he's like literally all up in my foot right now. Um, anyway, back to the heat map. Okay, near protocol. We got to keep looking at that. It's up every day. It's up again today. Bitcoin flat, ETH flat, Solano in the red, Cardano in the green, Binance Coin in the green. Dot dash. Um, dot dash. Say dot dash. Polka dot in the green. Um, Doge is your leader. Elon Musk is your, is your reason. Hey, wait, Doge at nineteen. When's the last time Doge was at nineteen? Doge up eleven percent in the last month. Okay, good deal. Good deal. Better now. Thank you, Justin. Thank you, Aaron. Uh, okay, this has been your heat nap update. As a reminder, as always, you can get free Bitcoin. It is so easy. All you have to do is go to the Voyager app, download the app, use the offer code ZING, fund your account with at least $100, deposit at least $100, 100, make a trade. Any trade will do. Make a wish. And then make a wish after you make the trade or before you make the trade. And then they will send you $50 in Bitcoin. We should probably hit them up, though, and ask them if they can get some ETH or something like that because 
ETH is uh Bitcoin is like too safe. <laughs> that's what that's what Logan said. That that's what Logan Ross said, the co-host of uh our Moon or Bus show. Bitcoin's too safe for him. These kids these days. I know, right? These kids these days. Bitcoin safe? These kids are unbelievable. Too safe. There's a, I think there are some good deals out there. Um, another one of your stocks down today. I saw another thread. It was like Bitcoins for bankers. Like what? Yeah, I don't know about Wait, that. Wait, what stocks? What, what, what else? Are we what is that? Disney. All right. Disney caught a downgrade. But uh, the good news is I have... I wait. Here's a game. Boots on Guess the ground. Guess Disney's PE. I looked this morning already. Oh, okay, because I it was a lot higher than I would have guessed. It's because of Disney Plus. I would have thought. Well, yeah. But Disney's almost given up all its gains during COVID, and in that time, Disney Plus became like the fastest growing streaming service ever. I know, but they pulled forward all that growth. That's the thing, though. Was like when they when did Disney Plus launch? No, November of nineteen, I think it was November of, or October of nineteen, and they they gave you know some guidance, some, some uh, subscriber guidance right off the bat, and they just p- completely blew it away. Um, but all they all they did was they just poured forward their subscriber growth like a couple of years. So, um, like I long- was this was a stock that like everyone loved after the the COVID crash, but before the COVID crash, it was at one hundred and forty dollars a share. It's Where? currently at, at 150. Yeah. Uh, and in that time, like keep in mind how much, you know, stocks like Apple have, have grown since the bottom of the COVID crash, right? Bottom of the COVID crash, Apple's at, or before the COVID crash, sorry, Apple's at 80 bucks. Now it's at 172. Yeah. Yeah. Disney is sort of a, a fickle one, not fickle, but it's weird because like the majority of its business is. Still the parks, right? Is it really? And it's no, still I, it's still the move. No, I'm I'm saying like, okay, th- let's rephrase that point. Streaming is not the majority of its business, and yet streaming, it was the driver of this stock for probably two years, right? Um, if you if you've been following Disney for a while, you remember in like 2017 or so, the whole the only thing that Wall Street cared about with regards to Disney was ESPN. ESPN is bleeding subscribers, and then it became all about streaming and Disney+, and that was the only thing that the market cared about uh, with regards to Disney. Even though it's not it's not a majority of their business, it, it, was, their, it was their biggest uh, growth segment, but it wasn't... Anyway. What about the Disney Cruise? How much of Disney's <laughs> revenue is, is made up of the, the Disney Cruise? I, I don't know. Uh, I'm assuming very little right now. <laughs> <laughs> But here's the here's the thing. I will have boots on the ground. I just I got word that my aunt um, has just left Disney. She's a diehard Disney fan, and one of my best friends will be at Disney in two I, day, in two days. I, I mean, I can do some channel checks for. It doesn't us. matter what's going on in regards to COVID. As long as it's open, Disney's going to be packed, right? I would I would never go to Disney expecting it to not. And I say this as someone who's never been. Wait a minute. Here we go from Christian. This is valuable. So this is valuable content here. Um, that's what I'm saying. I would never expect it to be. I mean, Florida in general, right? You go to Orlando. I don't know about the one out in California, but you go to the one in Orlando right now. I'm sure it's just packed as always. Uh, I, well, I don't even know. We all, we were asked this morning about this. Like Dennis asked if Disney's at full capacity, and I, I have no idea, honestly. I'm sure it probably is. It's Florida, right? I'm sure they're having staffing issues. Yeah. Ooh. Good call, Aaron. Yeah, what I mean, if, what if Disney has to, like, cut... Um, 
out they wouldn't cut hours they would never do that but like uh but I don't just know. if like lines were worse and yeah. stuff like that because mm. they didn't have enough staff good call Ryan says Orlando is packed um yeah that that are saying he's still short arc how's SARK doing blast off mode <laughs> It's up. Uh... The problem with SARK, and, and uh, speaking of ETFs, this will be a good segue into our next guest here, Kevin Kelly. But why well, do you think I? Yeah, the, yeah. The problem with SARK though is even though like the idea has been right, shorting Kathy has has worked because of the, and it's it's not anyone's fault, but like the the financial engineering of of the ETF, the way it's structured, the way it uses swaps to to um to get that short exposure to Kathy the the returns even if like the idea is right the returns are never going to be as great as they would be if you just shorted arc on your own it's because the the fees on these yeah but a lot of people don't want to actually like short sell right. or have to deal with the the option contract sure sure yeah buying sark is the easiest way to get short exposure to Kathy without a doubt um, but again, like the, the, the structure of these, it, 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 the, it will eat into your returns a little bit. Unfortunately, that's just kind of the way it's the way swaps work and Sark owns swaps on, on, I believe they own swaps on, on, on ARK, ARKK. Um, I think there are a lot of good deals out there right now. I don't know if ARK is one of them. Um, but I'm, no. I'm going to be looking to add some, some of these kind of names that I think are at a deal right now to my, to my long-term portfolio. I think uh, maybe Ke- some names within Arc. Well, I, I think I think Kevin Kelly has some ideas here because right. he's got a couple ETFs, uh, new ETFs that he just launched. If you don't know Kevin Kelly, uh, you know, longtime veteran uh, um, on Wall Street, he just launched his own firm, uh, Kelly ETFs. Uh, he's got a, he's got a few ETFs here, uh, and I, the reason I love talking about ETFs is because you can use them to express a broad point of view on something, right? Um, and I would rather talk about whether an industry or a sector is a buy or a sell than a specific stock, frankly. So without further ado, uh, let's get Kevin on the show here. Kelly ETFs, Kevin Kelly is the founder and the CEO. There he is. Hey guys. How are we doing? I'm loving the conversation, um, especially uh, you know when you're talking about Sark and you know it, it just highlights nothing's for free right mm. so you know you're either going to pay through the swaps um that are in uh, the underlying of the etf or if you want to go put spreads that's going to cost you money or yeah. you know it's just really hard um just to just in general to put on these positions so the 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 ease and liquidity of sark is actually the nice aspect of it because you can you can absolutely get short it the other way. If you get short Kathy Woods ETFs on your own, you're going to have borrowing costs anyways, right? Because you have to right. borrow the, the ETF from somebody else, and that could be right. really high, right? So we've seen that in the past, and you don't know if someone's going to buy you in or not. So if you want to remove that uncertainty, you can go into SARC. So I love how you guys just cover like what ETFs just do in general, and that they're just a tool for your, for your portfolio. That's all they are for you to espouse your market view. And so you guys mm. – that's what I love about Benzinga and you guys is you guys think about it the right way. Nothing is free. Thank you, Kevin. Nothing is free. That's the, that should be stapled on everyone's forehead. Exactly. Nothing, nothing is free. Yep. Um, maybe the closest thing you can get to free 
is like something like a vu, but that's a whole other can of worms, probably. Um, so, uh, Kevin, you uh, just launched a couple ETFs yeah. yourself. So, uh, why did you do that? Why now? Yeah. And and how how do you how do you decide like what ETF to launch? Because 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 yours are yours are of the thematic variety. Yeah. Um, are, does that mean you're bullish? What the, you know the, these set? We'll, we'll get into what they are, but does that mean you're bullish these themes just because you launched an ETF on it? Yeah. So you know we're only going to come out with stuff that we we would want to own ourselves, right? So the way to think about it is we think every investor should have access to these strategies. And what's really nice um, is we're trying to give you that pure play exposure. So you mentioned you want like access to a sector, right? And the problem with a lot of ETFs is there's cross pollination. So if we just take, for example, like residential, right? Everybody knows rents are going up. There's single family rental companies now out there. They're doing exceptionally well. But if you look at the leader in the category, it says it's a residential and multi-sector ETF. And it includes not only residential names like apartments, but it includes like healthcare names and it includes like uh, self-storage. And so you don't want that. So that's not pure play exposure to the residential sector. So we yeah. came out with um uh, the the etf that can give you that access if you want it right so it's got single family rentals it's got apartments it's got um uh student housing and manufactured housing and so those are by definition according to nary the subsectors of the residential and multifamily sector so if you want to gain access this is a great tool and avenue to consider right so you can have that pure play so so when we look at the marketplace you know you have to look under the hood of ETFs. And so the whole idea here is we're going to give you that pure play exposure. And if you don't like the sector, we're giving you the pure play where you can short it. Because if you went short that that other ETFs that have that, you may be short residential, but self-storage goes up and it negates your thesis and you didn't capture the returns that you should have. So um, that's, that's, that's why we've come out with the ETFs we've come out with is to give not only retail, but institutional investors access to the, the pure play exposures. All right, so what you're referring to is is your residential and apartment real estate ETF. The ticker is RESI, R-E-S-I. So what what exactly is in that? So what's, what's in that is uh, single family rental names like uh, Invitation Homes, right? That's in there, American Homes for Rent. Um, then you also have student housing names like American Campus Communities. You have apartment names like Avalon Bay. And so the whole idea and concept behind this, and you've got the investment case there, is that 43 million households in the United States today rent. Okay. And there's a demographic change, a thematic demographic change happening where, um, you know, we've got a new cohort of renters coming into from the 33. Uh, you know, years of age to 42 years of age, they're starting to rent more. And that's because the world is flat and people are moving more and jobs and uncertainty and just the convenience factor, right? So it's like housing is very expensive. We've seen the housing market go up and the affordability to buy your own home has gone down. At the same time, you know, you can get the convenience and technology of nice apartments and it's experiential. And so we're seeing this, this demographic uh, come into the market 
now that's that's leading to tailwinds as well as uh the conveniences of of just renting in general because some people they don't want to deal with a leaky roof or a boiler goes out or you know mowing the lawn or any of that and so a lot of the housing stock is aging as well so you actually have to update it which is very annoying because you know we we went through 0809 and then that left a decade of not building and so we've got an older housing stock coming i'm also wondering if there's like a demographics play involved here you know obviously you mentioned you know housing is insanely expensive and frankly most of that is is is, is the, the the biggest barrier right now is the down payment right because yeah. rates have been low uh but rates are increasing yep right so rate, rates are going up let's just play ball for a second and assume that the down payment doesn't go down while mm-hmm. the rates are going up and then you're left with a crazy down payment and and high interest rates right and and, and so the housing becomes even more affordable um i assume that that would be obviously a thesis here but then the other side would be like if housing becomes more affordable right yeah so so what yeah i think you're thinking about this in the right way okay so this is all for rental right um areas right so, so what's what what's happening is is right now if rates go up as they have i mean we're seeing on the 30-year uh mortgages they're at the highest it's been since march 2020 and is that a coincidence no that's like when the pandemic started and we're going back to that right so now the financing costs are going up so when financing costs go up the amount of house you can buy goes down right because more of your money is going to go into servicing the 30-year the 30-year uh, mortgage that you have as opposed to the house. And so if you're, if you're a, a, a family of three, you know, you need the bigger house, you need more house. And so what, what on, on the converse side is you could go into a single family rental that's the same price or less than what your mortgage would be. And you could start saving up more if you want to, or just see how the uncertainty happens around, around rising interest rates. Yeah. You're right, and I, I didn't really finish, close the circle there. So the idea would be like, it the, you know, the more uh, unaffordable housing becomes, the more people, the more and longer people rent. That was just to close the close the loop. Yes, but, correct, um, exactly, yeah. exactly. And, and 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 there there is a cohort of people that never want to buy; they only want to rent. So it's pretty interesting because the conveniences, like I said, um, they don't want to pay the property taxes. They don't want to, you know, pay for the gardeners. They don't want to pay for. So you, you've got this mindset now of people that they want the conveniences of it. And the older generation, it's funny. This comes out within the, you know, the sub industry blogs that, that you can read or the magazines and coverage of this is that the older core cohort of empty nesters. They want to downsize and they want better conveniences, right? They don't want to keep up with their house. I mean, managing a house is is difficult. I live in Denver, Colorado suburb. Um, listen, when my furnace went out, I spent two hours trying to get it back up. So I had hot water when it was like 20 degrees. I That you're exactly right. I, I'm at the age now where, where my friends are starting to buy homes and, and my one buddy is just, it is one endless cost after yes. it. it never, it never stops with him. And I, I feel for him, but like it never, you know, uh, it never stops. And there's, it, that, there's other costs you don't see, right? There's the closing costs, and then there's the furnace, and then there's, yeah. oh, there's a leak in the shower head pipe, and you, all of a sudden you got mold in your bathroom. You know, it's like it never ends. Um, so, But I, I want to move on from the, the housing market for a second and talk about 
uh, this other ETF, th- th- this travel ETF you've got. Yeah. It's uh, interesting timing here. Uh, so, so the ticker is uh, HOTL, hotel, uh, very clever. Um, this is a travel ETF. Yes. Now. Now. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know what? It's, it's, I think, you know, you're, we're, we're talking about, um, if, if we're talking about how do we put new capital to work? And what we're starting to see is that business spending on travel is near multi-decade lows, right? Like they're not wanting to spend money on travel because of Omicron and all that other, uh, um, you know, uncertainty around the travel and tourism, right? So how do you play the reopening trade? And over the next one, three, five years, when business spending starts to go up on, you know, hotels, right? And in travel and leisure. Well, we think this is a great access point to, to, to gain access into that because you're starting to see where over the last couple of years, there hasn't been new build, right? So you're not out there building new hotels, right? So capacity is getting, yeah. is shrinking. Try go, try going to a hotel and paying for it today and tell me how much you're paying for it. It is very, very expensive because no new supply is coming online yeah. when demand is starting to increase. So it's a follow the money, right? People are going to be spending a lot more on hotels. They're wanting staycations. They're not wanting to get on planes. So we think this is a great, great, great play over the next one, three, five years as business spending and leisure spending starts to go up. So this is a great economic barometer. So if you want to say, hey, is the economy rebounding? How do we play the reopening trade? How do we play the economy? This is it because it captures various income spends across the spectrum. It's a great economic barometer, not only from leisure, but also business. So you're going to get that dual component. If you want to play it via airlines, that's tough because they're a heavily regulated industry. You know, there's cancellations. It can get choppy. I mean, remember Warren Buffett used to never buy them because they always went bankrupt. Mm -hmm. So then let's look at cruises. It's a very niche traveler, right? And leisure traveler, like businesses aren't really spending on that. So if you want to think about when is the economy back? Look at HOTL, and that could provide you a good barometer of 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 how the economy is doing. So that's that's really how we think about it. Um, but also at the same time, these have been beaten down so much um, just in sentiment alone, and with limited capacity and demand coming on. Everybody wants experiential, right? So. This is a great experiential uh, play because you you we, you can even see we have lodging platform services like Airbnb in there. I was going to talk ask you about that. Yeah, the Airbnb that's the third largest waiting in there. So yeah. It, it it yeah I I appreciate that because it's not really it's not a quote unquote hotel ETF or it, it, it's 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 the, it's the whole sector right. Um, yeah, it's the whole sector. So yeah. you're getting lodging platform services right, and they're the only pure play lodging platform service right. They don't focus on delivering food to you or doing other crazy things that tech companies that are in the space. This also incorporates the REITs. So what it incorporates is the vacation rental companies, uh, you know, timeshares. It incorporates the REITs that actually own the hotels. It includes the C-Corps, which are your Hiltons, your Marriott's, which actually just brand the hotels and provide the services and get a fee from the people that own the uh, the people that own the actual ho- uh, hotel, so they get like ten to fifteen percent services. So you know, a lot of hotels that we know, they could switch overnight to a different brand. Um, 
something that I want to address here, and it, 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 it can apply to any of your ETFs. It can apply to the, the Resi, the Hotel, or even the, the CRISPR one you have is, how are these ETFs constructed? How are they managed? I, I'm assuming they're based on an index somewhere, or maybe they're not. I don't know. Yeah, no, they're, they're, they're index-based, right? So okay. rules-based methodology. Um, it, it, is a, it is an affiliate company. We own it. We self-index. So we call them strategic indexes. So what they do is they actually go through and they span the developed, uh, uh, the developed market universe um, for hotel. Um, and so you're going to get global names in there as well, um, you know, traded, you know, over in Europe. Um, so that's the nice aspect um when, when it comes down to it but it's all rules based you don't need to worry about me picking names which i think are going to do better or not so um yeah i think that's the way to think about it um the, the, yeah the the hotel the hotel just trade is is just interesting to me i mean i've been like booking a few hotels lately for some travel i have planned this year and i can confirm what you just said is they're insanely expensive right now but i am worried kevin that, like what if business travel never gets back to where it was? The the tourism is not enough to 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 counteract that. Yeah, you're you're. I think you're thinking about this exactly the right way. This is dependent on business travel rebounding. And so, if we take a step back, businesses need to adapt uh, to the current market environment that they're in because they need to meet you know their earnings. They're trying to generate business. Everybody wakes up every day and goes to work. And it's what yeah. we do in that. So the businesses are actually starting to have off sites at the hotels, right? So if they've got a bunch of remote workers and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, when, when it, when, you know, we go to remote working, now they're holding off sites for their company uh, employees at hotels. And you're starting to see people wanting to go back to conferences, to doing business, like businesses want to actually interact with their service providers uh, and, and their colleagues, their partners, right? So I, you know, in my industry, there are tons of conferences. Everyone's like, are you going? Are you going? Oh my gosh, we'd love to go. And everyone's just, ex there's this excitement about getting back to work, right? So you've got this pent up, like innate human nature in us where it's getting back. And, you know, we were, when we were the paleolithic man, we were in packs and we'd go hunt, get, gather forage. It's the same thing today. We want to do that in the business world. We want to go hunt, forge, and gather with our colleagues in our space uh, to grow. So I think it's going to come back. I think everybody's sort of over this, you know, Omicron. We're heading three years into this pandemic. Everyone's like, okay, well, even if I'm vaccinated, I'm going to get it, but it's not going to be as bad. People want to go live their lives. And how do they live their lives? They go experience things. And how do they experience things? They stay at awesome hotels and uh, they travel, eat, see the world. And this is a great way to play that. And then just the last question as we wrap it up, Kevin, is like now you've launched these ETFs, but you the onus is on you really yeah. to go out and and sell it, sell the idea of them, right, to, to advisors and asset managers and et cetera. So like how do you go about doing that? Because obviously like the goal here is like, you're not doing this for your health. You need these these ETFs to to acquire assets. So you so you launch, I assume as most ETFs do with a, a seed, uh, some seed funding, right? Uh, but like now you need to go out and you need to you need to gather those assets. So like, how do you do that? Uh, so I've been in the space for many many years, right? I launched my first ETF uh, in 2013. That ETF is now over 6.2 billion dollars. If you look at the 
uh, ETFs I sponsored uh, back in 2018. One of them is at one and a half billion dollars. So um, I've got extensive relationships with advisors um, and investors. And so, you know, it's it's talking with those advisors and investors about what what what's the differentiator. So let's let's take the CRISPR and XDNA one. What's the differentiator? Right. So we talked about Kathy Woody earlier. She has ArcG. It's actively managed. Um, it includes a bunch of stuff in the genomic sector. This one is a pure play way to get access to CRISPR and gene editing, which is going to displace old therapeutics, right? So before how we used to treat ourselves is we would take a bunch of drugs and hopefully knock down the disease, right? And then get it into, it, it, get it into remission. Basically, what gene editing yeah. does is it goes in, it takes out the bad DNA, inserts good DNA, and then you're done. It's a one-time treatment, not multiple treatments. So, so follow the money is what I'm going to tell every investor and advisor that I know. Why would you get into XDNA? Because Pfizer, old legacy healthcare just did a $1.4 billion deal with one of our top constituents in the um, XDNA index, right? Beam Therapeutics. Beam is going to go through Pfizer's list of uh, drugs and say, we're going to take these three drugs and we're going to turn them into gene editing and base editing is what they actually focus on and then actually cure that disease. It's curing diseases on a one-time basis. And so you want pure play exposure because it could, oh, it, it, it's brand new and in its infancy, right? It's only been around for 10 years, really. Um, so, and we still don't have the first actual FDA approved commercial drug. So this is a nice long-term play. I think this is a great uh, way to think about venture capital. If you're going to be getting into CRISPR and gene editing names, you're essentially a venture capital investor. You're buying this and putting it away for 5, 10, 15 years and reaping the reward as the, as the entire industry grows. Okay, this is this is a great question. I was going to let you go, Kevin, but I, this is a great question from the chat. Let's try not to go on this for too long, but how do you create an ETF? So step one, have an idea, right? Step yeah. two, figure out if it's probably if you passive or active. It's probably step two, right? You tell me. What's step two and beyond? Sure. So step two is just seeing the real world applicability of that of that idea. Yeah. So is it a good idea? Okay, sure. Maybe a good idea. Can you have the capacity of it? Can you run 10, 20 million dollars? Can you run a hundred million dollars, two billion dollars, right? Who are who is your competitors, right? What would you be stacked against? Are you actually competing against other ETFs or are you competing against mutual funds? Are you competing against uh you know, uh, private funds. And so it's looking at the, the, the landscape and how you're going to win in that landscape and then going to say, okay, do I find an index, um, uh, an index company that can turn it into an index? And then do I find a partner that actually knows how to run, own and operate ETFs and then approach them and figure out how we, uh, launch that ETF. So I think the first idea is, 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 is getting your competitive landscape and then going from there in passive, active, then finding a partner in the space that knows it because it is a tough space. I mean, it's hand-to-hand -hand combat. If you're not willing to have a three-year business plan and lose money every single day for a year um, while you get your track record, uh, then you 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 don't belong in it. You need intestinal fortitude. Then you can confirm that it's difficult to get rich as an ETF provider. Yes, it's exceptionally yes. difficult. You're going against State Street, Vanguard, iShares, and Vesco that have marketing budgets that will make your head spin. Those guys can distribute product like nobody's business. So your your differentiator needs to be exceptionally high. I mean, it's it is yeah. it is you're better off opening a, up a restaurant. Um. <laughs> 
It's the truth. Uh, maybe that's true. Hey, but we love them ETFs because there's low fees for us, the end investor, and that's what matters. And liquidity, <laughs> that's what you want. You want in and out. You don't want anybody telling you what you can or cannot do with the with with so you could buy it and own it for 10 seconds. You don't and, need anybody's permission. That's what I love about ETFs. It's the and liquidity and tax efficiency, all that good stuff. Kevin okay. Kelly, Kelly ETFs, always a pleasure, man. Have a good one. Have a good Thanks weekend. Thanks so much. Cheers. All right. Have a great weekend. Uh, hey, we're running behind schedule again, Aaron. Why do we always do this? Um, <laughs> I don't know why we do this. Uh, Producer Rohan coming to us live from his basement. Can we get him on the show here, Producer Rohan? Bro, it's not a basement. It's in oh, are you apartment. in your kitchen? Are you in your kitchen right now? It's the kitchen. It's the kitchen. All right. Awesome. But yeah, I'm doing? here. Uh, also have a guest joining me. Um, he wanted to test his audio, but it uh, looks like we're kind of out of time to do that. So let's just see if it works. Ladies and gentlemen, <laughs> say what's up to Kevin. It works. Hey, what's going on, everybody? How you guys doing today? His audio works. Kevin, your audio works. I can confirm. All right. Sounds good. Cool. Thanks for having me, guys. Cool. Thanks for coming on. Uh, I heard through the grapevine, and through the grape, by that I mean through Rohan, that you got the chance to drive a Rivian. Is this true? Yeah, it was actually yesterday. I had it, or... Was it two days ago? I, I don't know any. I don't know. I don't know days anymore, to be honest. But yeah, I, I had a, I had a chance to check it out for about. Uh, we had it for about four hours, so it was a uh, it was a really cool experience. Hell yeah! No, no, yeah, no. <laughs> before we get to that, uh, Kevin, why, why don't you just uh, take a second to introduce yourself to the audience if they don't know you? Yeah, sure. Yeah, hey, my name is Kevin. I go by the Tech Ninja on uh, on the internet. Uh, I make uh, content, I make YouTube videos and Instagram, social media and all those things. And I'm known for my tech reviews, but I've been branching out into vehicles because, you know, cars, basically technology on wheels at this point. So I've been covering cars recently and just anything with an off and on switch is kind of what I cover on my YouTube channel. What, what other cars have you ventured into besides the Rivian? Yeah, so, so I personally own a Model Y, but before that I had a Model 3. I checked out the Mach E, uh, the new Bolt, and the Hummer. And the new in the new Hummer, I was at the unveiling and had an opportunity to to ride in that as well. That's awesome. Um, all right, so so you're a Tesla guy, but what? So what's your what's your take on your initial take on Rivian? Yeah, you know, the the way I look at things, like the whole electronic you know, car space is kind of interesting where a lot of people are basically still unsure if they want to go EV, but they love Tesla. And I think they love Tesla because of the cool factor. And I think Rivian really taps into that cool factor. I mean, when we were driving the car around and parking the car, people were asking us questions and wanted to know more about the car. So I think Rivian really has that cool factor. And it also has that, that fun factor when driving. I mean, zero to 60 in three seconds in a truck. Like that is amazing. That is so much fun to do. Uh, so, I mean, yeah, you know, Rivian just taps into that. And I think, uh, I think for the future, the Rivian is going to be something that we're going to be seeing a lot of. Yeah, uh, I can confirm that that zero to 60 time is pretty insane when you're sitting in the car. But uh, no, it was, it was a cool experience. So Kevin and I went out the other day um, and we had this Rivian on loan. Uh, we shot some footage and we, we have some clips for you guys loaded up here too. Um, mainly like highlighting five or so areas of the car, um, you know, talking about uh, some of the autonomous driving features, uh, the storage in the car, the quality of design, how fast it is, 
um, and uh, oh, some unique things that you might not expect to see in an electric vehicle, which was definitely standout with the Rivian. Um, so, AB, I'm not sure, um, you know, I know, chat, actually, if you guys have any questions about the Rivian, I'm starting to see them coming in. Um, but, uh, oh, Christian, that's funny. Um, but yeah, just toss your questions in the chat and we'll definitely answer them. Um, AB, I, we might have you, you know, <laughs> give your thoughts on the stock as well a little bit. But yeah. Um, Wait, do we, do we have footage? I'm sorry. Do we have footage or no? Yeah, we have footage. So, I mean, we have those, yeah, we have a video for each one of those topics that I just outlined. So if we want to yeah. talk about the car in more detail, I can like play yeah. a little clip of B-roll and then we yeah. can chat about it as well. Let's do it. Let's, let's do that. Can we do that right now? Sure, sure. Um, I'm going to start it off with just the design of the car. Um, one thing I noted, you know, I've had a chance to check out a couple other EVs as well. And one thing I noted more than anything is a lot of times the design was a little cheap, if you might say. Um, people kind of say that about Teslas as well. Um, so check out this video and we'll give you your thoughts. So that was a little edit (laughs) courtesy of one of our guys, Jay, Um, but some of the footage we shot the other day. But yeah, I mean, off the, you know, first glance, it's a pretty cool car. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say definitely for me, the the design of the truck, like it it looks like a truck, which is definitely cool. But when you look at it from the front, you know, there's something different with it. And that's, that's what I like about it. It doesn't scream, hey, I'm an EV, but it screams like, hey, I'm a truck, but I look really cool while being a truck. Yeah, yeah. I, I think my biggest question for the Rivian will be that when, when it's commonplace, you know, when we have the Rivian in production uh, and, and on sale kind of to the masses with the Ford Lightning, I feel like, and I don't know a lot about cars and trucks, but I feel like truck guys like really care about the, um, you know, like how much can the truck tow? What's the horsepower, et cetera. So I feel like whichever one out of the Ford Lightning and Rivian will have like the most utility uh, will be the one that's the favorite. Yeah, I could kind of speak to that a little bit. Um, so the Rivian is more of an off-roading truck, and it has like a lot of off-road features, where the Lightning is more of a work truck. So they're going to be a little bit different in, in that aspect. Like the Lightning will be able to haul more, and is a bigger truck. The Rivian is more of a compact truck. So I don't think the same people would be looking at both of those cars at the same time. I mean, so, some may, but for the most part, if you're working, the Rivian is probably not going to be the one. But if you're like off-roading or you want to go camping or you do like those, um, you know, those sports and you, you know, things like that, you want to like haul extra stuff. I think the Rivian more like has those things like I'm not sure if you have a clip of that, Rohan, but the Rivian has a built-in kitchen like for 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 some of the higher end models that you could slide a kitchen out of the side of the car. So it does things like that. Um, I mean, it's just kind of more of a of a fun car, in my opinion, than the F-150 is more of a, a work car, if you will. I, I would say like this Rivian would compete more in the class of like a Range Rover or something like that, like a high-end um, off-road vehicle. And it's a total different price class as well, right? The Rivian is kind of averaging around 70000 um, 
for this launch model and uh, F-150 Lightning is obviously quite a bit lower than that. Um, but in terms of like the quality of the design, uh, things they thought about with the software, uh, I have to say like definitely very well thought out. Um, and uh, yeah. yeah, no no clip of the kitchen, Kevin, but oh, that's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, you know, you know, one of the things that I find interesting when talking with a lot of the Rivian people, a lot of them are ex Ford, ex GM people. So it's not like just a ra- like random people are making a car. Like, these are people who have worked for Ford, worked for GM, and those companies. So these are people who make cars for a living, and they're making this car too. So and, you know, and, and to me. Like, I think the, the difference between, you know, obviously Tesla and this is that I think the Rivian does bridge the gap pretty well between people who are used to, you know, gas powered cars and electric cars because it still has buttons inside the car. You still, it still feels like a car, like the switches and everything are, are manual. And it's not like Tesla where everything is like touchscreen, everything is interface and everything is electric. You have to push a button to open the door. Like it really has some of those car things that you're used to, uh, that you're used to seeing and used to having. Uh, the Rivian still has that. So it's kind of a, a nice blend between the two, in my opinion. Yeah. Uh, someone in the chat commented, like, would you take this off-roading? Um, and they specifically mentioned, well, something that the engineer, because we got to speak with an engineer from Rivian as well. And he was telling us about how he was testing the truck and it had like a drift mode built in where like because like the motor control and whatever, like you could pretty much keep this thing sideways forever. So it's definitely like uh, more of like a fun vehicle, I would say, than anything. Um, But no, definitely. uh, And yeah, compared to Lordstown, I'd say uh, Rivian is definitely far ahead of the game there. Um, So I, I was just doing some research and at least with Ford, surprisingly, the Ford Lightning uh, it, the base model of the Ford Lightning has a higher towing capacity than the base model of a Ford F-150. Yeah, yeah. I mean, with the motors, it makes sense, right? They got all sorts of torque. On the yeah. new electric. Yeah, the only thing with the electric, um, when you start towing things, then your range gets cut down dramatically. So I, I'm not sure. Do they release range numbers with towing capacity? Because I know with the Model X, you can tow up to, I think, 7,500 pounds. But once you put that much weight on there, you lose about half the range. So that's something to consider. Like, let's say you're trying to take a trailer up north and let's say it's a, you know, it's a 200 mile drive and you have 300 miles worth of range. You're not going to make it up there in one haul. So that's, so that's something to be mindful of when you have an EV. Um, everything you do just takes, takes more power, takes more battery, anything you're doing. That's a great point. Yeah, this does uh, make the caveat that you need to put the extended, you need to get the extended battery to tow. Uh, to tow that much on the on the Ford Lightning, um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think the idea is eventually we'll be at a place where we have, uh, you know, charging stations as often, or you know, as as many charging stations as we do gas stations, and eventually those will have the the fast chargers as well. So you can, I, I mean, Elon says there'll be a day you can charge your Tesla in like five minutes, you know. So who knows? Maybe that will make those those <laughs> long road trips a little bit more feasible. One thing I thought that was cool um, that they showed us in the car related to like the charging aspect is with like the built-in display and the navigation, um, it was kind of cool that it had like a list of all the chargers nearby, take you to the closest one, um, what network it was on specifically, uh, what power, how fast it would charge it. Like that was pretty cool to see. Um, Yeah. yeah, Sorry, go ahead. Uh, You go ahead. I I was going to ask a separate question, but I want to hear your thoughts on this. 
Yeah, I mean, you know, that, that's where Tesla has a huge advantage. Um, their, their, their network, their supercharging infrastructure, it, it, is, it is amazing. I mean, I could come, I can drive from here, Detroit, all the way to California on their charging network because they put them off the freeways. And here in Michigan, like they're next to Meyer and going down south, they're next to other different stores and, and things like that. I still think a lot of companies, EV companies, that's where, that's where they struggle at. And that's something they're building out with the... Um, I think Electrify, Electrify America is basically a company that is going to put chargers out there for all the cars to access if they want. So, you know, soon there'll be a charging infrastructure, but Tesla has the advantage. I mean, I think there's over 50,000 chargers, superchargers for Tesla already. So Tesla does have that big advantage, but there are rumors that Tesla is looking to open it up as well for other car manufacturers to use for a licensing fee. Um, they've already opened it up in Europe uh, to, to Volkswagen. So, you know, we'll see what it looks like here in America pretty soon. Yeah. Um, do we want to hit one of the next videos? Um, we could mention. Yeah, let's do it. Um, I guess we can talk about the autonomous driving, right? Because that's a good area to compare it to Tesla as well. As you can see, it is very simple to use. So as you can see, this little icon up here means I'm in the autonomous driving mode. This little blue line is showing me my lanes. But if I want to speed up, is just as simple as tapping this button right here and now we can adjust our speed and as you can see the car is keeping up with just tapping this right here and look i've only been on the freeway for a couple minutes it's, it's definitely smooth i am very comfortable with it got got folksy with that one that was cool i i, uh -huh. I love the i love the music man it, it was, it was yeah. good. <laughs> it made me feel like i was my personal uh, favorite <laughs> yeah, like some sort of documentary or something. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was actually going to ask before you even brought it up, Rohan, about the self-driving capabilities, because I think that will be the other big catalyst for, uh, you know, any of these companies that are making EV trucks. Uh, whoever is furthest along on the self-driving, I think will have a huge advantage going forward. 100%. Yeah. And, and yeah, I mean, we were talking about that when we had it, too, is like there's like a large market with these buyers of large trucks to have, um, you know, assisted features for that for like long drives and stuff like that um i know kevin you were mentioning something about like towing with the automated driving and stuff yeah yeah so i so i know g i know gmc they they pushed out something recently i think over the summer had a chance to check it out where the autonomous driving would work with a payload as well so if you put a trailer on the back of your car autonomous driving their feature i think it's called blue blue well, whatever it's called it doesn't matter at this point but basically it would adjust for the weight of the back of the payload so if you have like eight thousand eight thousand pound payload and you're doing autonomous driving it would adjust for the weight adjust for the sway and keep those things in mind when doing things like going around a corner and and things like that because uh because right now if you do um if you do autonomous driving and you have something attached to the trailer it disables because it's just so much other things to factor, speed and distance it takes to stop. And so the new GMCs, the new Sierra and the new Denali, they both take account of that when you do their uh, assisted driving or their autonomous driving. Yeah, no, that, that's definitely pretty cool. And I, I, I wonder, you know, if uh, Rivian will look to incorporate some sort of technology. I'm sure it'll take them a while to develop and stuff like that. But it is cool. Um, yeah, I don't know. Like, uh, definitely... With the autonomous driving, I'd say there may be like a couple steps behind Tesla, I'd imagine, right? Because they've got it to level two, but Tesla's already got, you know, full self-driving on the roads. I mean, yeah. I mean, 
I, I will say, yeah, but to, to be honest, I've had it on my Model 3 and I had the beta. It was the, it was the scariest thing I've ever done in my life. Like, <laughs> it, it, it is, it is, it is mind-numbing how this is legal and that Elon was like, okay, pushing this out to certain drivers. So it's one of those things that I think Tesla is more open to using it. I don't know how much further they are than other companies, but they do have things like automatic lane switching. So if I'm in a car and I have my uh, automatic driving on and then uh, a car in front of me is going slower, it will switch lanes, go around them and get back in lane and it'll get off the freeway for me. So it does have that next level, but it's still considered level two. And I still think level three is years away. Um, just because of how how bad it is right now, it, it's more of just a fun trick to kind of do a video on. But I wouldn't recommend doing it at all because uh, I, I was put into some very dangerous situations, and I had to intervene. Probably with every every minute or so, I had to intervene for whatever reason because it wasn't doing something right. So that's on the Tesla full self driving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually I have a 2021 Toyota Corolla hatchback, and even that has like self driving. Like I think I think everyone that assumes that tesla is like the far and away leader in self-driving i think a lot of these other legacy automakers like toyota has the technology out there i think they're just being more cautious with like putting it yeah. out on the cars that are on the road yeah i, I mean i know with the toyota one it's not like nearly as good though like it definitely like you kind of like get to the edge of the lane and then it realizes and puts you back in the middle um the rivian was I definitely the, I, I use it all the time and, and it's not by any means like 100 percent great like you it does uh, sometimes kind of get me to the edge of the lanes and stuff, but like it, it's fun to um, like the other day I had I was I had like my cruise control on like 80 on on 75, and I, I had it on and it was coming up on like a not like a sharp turn on the highway obviously, but like a, a curve, and I was just like I'm just gonna let it go and see if it it's got this turn and it it got it I mean it did it so yeah no it's it's crazy how they're getting there the one thing I actually was curious about and I don't know I don't know if you know Kevin. Um, is what sort of technology Rivian is using for their like uh, autonomous driving, if it's just cameras or anything else? Yeah, yeah. So, so the engineer mentioned that it's just cameras, it's not using any sort of LiDAR system. But, you know, Tesla no longer uses LiDAR anyways. All the models 20, 2021, I think, and newer, no longer are using LiDAR. There's just strictly a camera system. So something about that, that that you have to know is that when you're driving in the car and then let's say the lane markers are covered or the paint is faded, it starts to make assumptions of where the lane markers are. And then if it goes for a certain amount of distance or maybe it's time and the lane markers do not reappear, um, then it basically disables autopilot. So it's one of those things that like it needs to have actual markers on the road. So if you're doing like those like those one lane highways or anything like that, it, it will not kick on or won't stay on long. Just kind of a safety feature. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, in terms of who is using LiDAR, I think like just Ford right now, right? And maybe some other companies, but none of the ones that are out on the road, I don't think. Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure why Tesla moved away from LiDAR. Um, I don't notice any difference with my three or my Y as far as the autonomous driving. Um, camera or LiDAR, it, it, it's the same to me as I'm using it every day, so. Nice, nice. All right, well, we can probably check out one of these other videos, see what sort of fun song we get hit with this time. <laughs> um, uh, we can do like more of a fun one. We can talk about some of the unique stuff in the Rivian. So let's play that.
All right, that last one was kind of hard to tell. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, like I said, I haven't had a chance to actually review these. But, um, yeah, the, the last one was like little logos in the, in the truck bed. That was cool, but kind of hard to see on camera. Um, but, no, those were some of the unique features. Uh, my favorite one was the flashlight in the door. I thought it was so sleek how it was, but it was pretty cool. Yeah, so, I mean, you know, this car does have a lot of, like, little accessories and little fun features, like, baked right into the car. I kind of mentioned it. We don't have a video of it because the version that we had didn't have it. But, you know, if you get a certain version of the car, a certain trim of it, it will have a built-in kitchen that you can pull out the side of the gear tunnel. And it's like a little kitchen with running water that you can pull out of the car, which is interesting. But even then, there's that speaker that you saw. It actually is, in like beneath the center console and it's always charging. So let's say you park the car, you wanna go out, you can grab the speaker, 100% battery life, and you Bluetooth to it and listen to music. And like Rohan said, it has that flashlight that's always charging in the, in the door. And it's just so many like little features baked into the car. And there's kind of one thing that they showed, but you didn't see what it was doing. It was actually an air pump. So if you do pop a tire or anything like that, you can put air back in your tire right from your car, which is really nice to see. So it has like a lot of cool things like that. And there's like, I believe over 10 plugs like standard 120 plugs that are actually in the rivian too so if you need to like plug in a tv or plug in anything small or like a car a phone charger or wall charger anything like that um it's right there in the car so i don't know that that's that's why this uh that's why the truck is really made for i think the adventure person the person that wants to go camping or anything like that or you know me and rohan joked about like if we go out for a shoot having this would be nice because you could charge your batteries up while you're kind of shooting you got the gear tunnel to kind of hide your to move your stuff and just like just like little nice bells and whistles that makes being around the truck more fun. Yeah, no, definitely. And and one thing that wasn't in the video that we didn't have with us but was cool um, is they have like that little wristband that's like a little silicone wristband that can unlock your car so you don't have to take, take your keys with you anywhere and it's totally waterproof. So it's definitely like an adventure-focused vehicle. Yeah. What's going on there, A.B.? <laughs> Not much. Just doing some uh, checking up on the markets. <laughs> I don't know. So, like, uh, how's the how's the stock doing these days? I'm actually kind of curious. Rivian. Yeah. Not great. So after uh, after Rivian IPO, it got all the way up as high as about 180 bucks a share, and is currently below 80 dollars a share. I mean, I think, you know, people just rode this as like a hype stock all the way up. And there's really no revenue, like they're not selling trucks yet, anything really happening yet. So I think it'll take a couple of years before, um, honestly, we ever see the stock back at those levels. But like all other EV stocks, these things can just go crazy. Yeah. yeah. And I, I know the, the truck I was in was actually a production truck, and they have started shipping them to, to customers for what it's worth. It, it just started. Um, I'm not a stock okay. guy, so I'm not, I'm not speaking to stocks or anything like that. I'm just saying in general, I know that they are starting to ship to customers now. Yeah, um, and they have like, 100,000, I think, orders of their delivery vehicle to Amazon. So yeah, hundred cool yeah, 100,000 uh, orders to, to Amazon, and then they have 70,000 uh, pre-orders for customers too. So that, that's what they mentioned to me. So. Um, yeah, so, so what was like the one thing that, you know, stood out the most about the truck? You know, was it like the speed, the way it drove, the actual design of it? I, th I think for me, it's just the practicality of, of, the, of the frunk. So, you know, EVs, they don't have like a traditional motor, obviously. So the front of the, the hood, it pops open and that's called the frunk. There was so much space in there. I mean, I sat in there, I'm six foot two, and I could basically put my whole body in the frunk, like kind of balled up a little bit, but you can, 
there's so much room in there. So the car just has so much storage if you need to carry stuff, move stuff around. I mean, you have the flatbed, you have under the flatbed, and then you have the frunk, and then you have the gear tunnel. And then so many just little knickknacks of storage pockets that you can use, I, I guess will be kind of a, a weird way of saying it. Yeah, no, for me, it was like, uh, what stood out the most was just like well thought out design in the software and the actual functionality of it, uh, especially with like the storage. Uh, we actually have a video on the storage. I'll, I'll play that now. Yeah, so, I mean, that, that video is mostly showing off, like, the gear tunnel, which is definitely a cool feature, not something you usually see on trucks. But uh, some other areas as well, they really kind of utilized all the space they could, I thought. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, I don't know, like, I'm, I'm a big fan of the gear tunnel. I don't know why I like it so much. I just, I think I just like the name of the gear tunnel. But uh, another thing that's not shown in the video is that if you have stuff in the gear tunnel, there's actually a sliding board. You can slide it out and get to your stuff and then slide it back in the gear tunnel too. So a lot of cool, uh, a lot of cool options and the door to the gear tunnel can be used to sit on or you can stand on it too, like a step ladder. So it's kind of like a dual purpose thing. And it feels like everything is just, as Rohan kind of mentioned before, it's just, it's very well thought out in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I need to get in one of these. The only time I've ever been in, a, or at least driven an electric car was that Polestar we had, Rohan. Yeah, and and that was a that was a car like as its bare bones like it was an electric car, but beyond that like, the software was just like not quite there I would say, um and and the interiors kind of felt a little cheap. But other than that, I mean like, but that's a much lower price point car as well, more of a Model Three competitor. But I wouldn't even really say that because Model Three is definitely, um, beating that one out in terms of value, but. No, I mean, I, I, this is definitely like a higher price point vehicle, but they definitely, I think, made it worth it, I would say. Um, what was the prices tested? I think our model was like 68000 or something like that, or maybe 70 something. Yeah, it was, it was 74 and they had a $68,000 model, which um, didn't have the premium interior, didn't have uh, as good of a sound system, and just a couple things like that. But for the most part, uh, 68K is a starting, 74 is like the first trim. And then it goes up to 88, I believe, for the uh, the decked out version, whatever whatever they named it. So nice. Uh, I got someone in the chat saying they've seen like Rivians on the freeway, the transport trucks and stuff like that, and uh, driving on the 405. We actually have someone at Benzinga in the offices who parks in our garage, who has a Rivian too. So I mean, they're starting to pop up. Wait, around. someone in the oh oh, I see what you're saying. Not someone in the Benzinga office, just someone no. in our office building has. A yeah, someone someone in our building. I keep seeing one in the garage. But no, it's definitely pretty, pretty cool, and I'm definitely starting to see them more. I saw the Hummer EV actually in Rochester once, but I've only seen that one, just that one time. Yeah. What about, the, what, go I was going to ask you, Kevin. What, what? When do you think we're going to see a, a cyber truck? <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> I, I honestly I don't know. I mean, it, it's you know what? Because Elon owes people the Tesla Roadster, the 2020 Tesla Roadster. Like that was announced first, and people have paid 250k for one already. Um, and it was supposed to come in 2020. So 
I don't know. Um, you know, the, the guy we were with, he mentioned that they, that because they, they test in Minnesota, like one of the coldest places in America. And he said they saw a Cybertruck there. So there is a Cybertruck. It, it's not a production version of the car yet. Um, to be honest, I, I have no idea. I, I would be, I'll be surprised if we see it in 2024. I'll be surprised if it even comes that early. But that's just my opinion. Bold yeah, statement. Yeah, I mean, I, yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's like a, it always happens, I feel like, with Tesla. They'll put a date out there and they don't hit it, and it really doesn't matter. I mean, look at the stock. Like, the stock was down yesterday on the news that they uh, removed. Tesla tried to, like, remove the Cybertruck date off its website without really saying <laughs> anything. And, of course, people notice because people, like, watch Tesla's website like a, like a hawk. Mm-hmm. And they noticed, and the stock was down about like six or seven percent yesterday. But now it's it's flat or up again today. Like people don't, don't uh, seem to care when they miss te- when they miss deadlines or, or whatever. And I, I say this yeah. as, a, as a Tesla as a Tesla <laughs> as a Tesla shareholder. Yeah. Oh yeah. 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 So so one of my friends had me buy like my first time buying stock was about four years ago. He had me buy Tesla stock, and even then I was I forgot what it was at that point. But I was like, dude, that's a lot of money. And so I like bought a couple shares, whatever, and kind of sat on it. And then I like peeked over to my account one day and I was like, whoa, this thing is going up. Then the, 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 the stock split. And I was like, dude, this is this is amazing. So I've been kind of like riding the Tesla stock uh, roller coaster for a while now. <laughs> nice, nice. Yeah, no, I mean, I've, the only people who are really going to care are the people who already, you know, paid for pre-orders, right? So Yeah, um, and I... I I forgot what it was, but it was a non-refundable pre-order this time around because typically the pre-orders are refundable for the three and for the Y. Those are both refundable, but for the Cybertruck, it was less money down. I think it was a hundred bucks down, I think. Don't quote me, but it was not refundable hundred dollars. So you pre-order and then just like, hey, when it comes, it comes. So I did pre-order mine. I don't know. It's kind of a FOMO thing. (laughs) So I did pre-order one. Yeah. I mean, no, I put the hundred bucks down or whatever it was. I, I did it and I was like, you know what? Whenever it pops up, when that time comes, maybe I can sell my pre-order spot in line if it's early enough or, or whatever. I don't know. I just kind of did it. Nice. One of those things. <laughs> um, yeah. yeah, it's almost, I, I feel like with Tesla's, at least with Tesla's stock, like it's almost like they've done this so much that it doesn't matter anymore. Like if Toyota or one of these other legacy car makers like put out a date and then had to push back production, it'd be like a huge deal. But for Tesla, because it happens so often, it seems like people are just kind of numb to it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, for me, Tesla just kind of feels like one of those meme companies where they do these little goofy things, whatever, and people just like it because it's Tesla. Like, oh, yeah, it's Tesla. This is what they do. Like, could you imagine if Ford pushed out autopilot beta to people's cars and it was doing the things that it was doing or the summon or like pushing out beta, like pushing out beta features in general to cars that could hurt people? Like, to me, that is the craziest thing that in my car, literally, I can push a button and have it drive, have it summon have it drive in a parking lot to come see me, not obeying any type of laws or rules or anything, just going across the parking lot through parking spots to, to, to come pick me up. Like that is, that is crazy to me. As someone who, who loves my car, I, I do think there's so many crazy things about it that should not be on there. Really? Yeah. I mean, like I, mean, I didn't know, I've never talked to someone that's been that open about like the problems with the, the self-driving on the Tesla. Oh, yeah. I mean, so I mean, I'm a reviewer by nature and I'm not a fanboy by any means. So I can own a product and I can bash the hell out of it for a long time if I want, but still say I like the product. Like, it, like this is what I don't like about it. This is what I do like about it. And overall, it's a net positive of what I like about it. So, I mean, I, I definitely could do that. 
I mean, there's, there's definitely some things and about Tesla. And you've got to like that, it a, a certain amount. I mean, to go from one model to the next one, you have to like yeah, the product overall, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, like, don't get me wrong. I do like the product overall. I think it is the best EV available right now. And I do love the tech features. I do love all the crazy things with it. But it's definitely some things on there that's, that's not safe. Um, and I don't use often or I use to make a video on and kind of talk about. There's a lot of crazy things with that car. So, <laughs> uh, someone in the chat saying the hundred dollar down payment for Cybertruck is refundable. But... Oh, it is refundable. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I did say don't quote me. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, going through a couple other names that I'm seeing in the chat. Lucid, of course. Uh, I, there are rumors about Lucid being the the EV manufacturer behind the Apple car. So, if that turns out to be true, expect to see Lucid stock, you know, kind of skyrocket from there. I, I have some Neo too, which is trying Neo's trying to kind of be like the Tesla of China, um, and yeah, I mean I think long term the market over there in China there's just so many people that eventually when EVs are the most common car that Neo is a name to uh, to look at. But I mean Kevin, you haven't been in a, a, a Lucid Motors car, have you? I have not, but one of my friends owns a Lucid Air, um, and, and he's making content on it on on his YouTube channel right now actually. Um, he loves the car. He he said it is. He said it is like. A, he said it, it reminds him of like Mercedes Benz quality as far as like craftsmanship, and then all the tech that a Tesla has, which is like an amazing combination. But I have not been in one yet. I'm I'm trying really hard to to get a chance to drive one though. That's pretty crazy. I mean, if that'd be pretty impressive if they were able to do that. I know they were like, they had everyone was kind of impressed with the mileage quote on that car, right? It was like 500 miles or something like that. Um, which is pretty impressive. Um, the only other one uh, that's coming out pretty soon, I think, is the Fisker Ocean. Um, but I don't know about like the tech on that. I just know it's like an EV. I don't know anything beyond that, really. Um, they Are they a SPAC, AB? Who? Fisker. Uh, no, I don't, or maybe they, they, maybe they were, but they're not anymore. I mean, they're, Fisker is currently trading at 1440. Let's see if they were a SPAC able to tell pretty no i don't think they were okay could be wrong maybe they were yeah it'd be interesting to see them kind of like come out from the woodwork on this one and if it's actually any good i honestly don't even like the way the new car is going to look but (laughs) the the fiskers i i think fiskers like a sneaky name in the in the ev in the ev at least like stock wise because people are always talking about lucid people are obviously always talking about tesla people are talking about rivian now people are talking about uh, Neo, but not a lot of people talk about Fisker. You know, I, I guess I have a question out there, e- even for the chat as well. Um, when do you think these car manufacturers are going to just get rid of gas cars and go strictly EV? Um, I mean, obviously, I know it's not going to happen next year, but I wonder, like, when is the Ford going to say, you know what, F-150 or the Ford Focus or any of their popular cars, we're only doing an EV variant of this car? I wonder, because I think so, at that well, point, I mean, when, I mean, when, when, when you, yeah. GM and a couple other big manufacturers have, have already come out and set dates that they uh, plan to stop manufacturing gas, uh, gas vehicles by, like, I think by 2035, GM said they're going to be done producing gas vehicles, or that's their plans. Yeah, it, it depends on the brand. Like, you have Dodge out there saying that they're never, ever going to produce an EV in the history of Dodge. <laughs> they literally just said that. Um, it's kind of funny making a bold statement like that. They're just like the opposite, right? 
we're still yeah, going big muscle. they're basically saying like, oh yeah, if, if, if we're gonna go down with this ship, if this like puts us out of business, <laughs> fine, but we're not gonna give in. We're not gonna, we're not gonna start making. Uh, Harley Davidson said did that too. Uh, they they did have a subdivision of Harley that was making EV bikes, and they <laughs> spun that off as a separate company, and they said Harley is gonna focus just off. Uh, on gas, what is it like? Ice engines, I yeah, internal combustion. Ice, yeah, yeah ice. ice. Man, can yeah. you can you imagine an an electric electric Harley Davidson? I just seen. I I, I mean, understand. It There's I, one I out understand there. that. Really? Yeah, really? it's called the Live Wire, but it doesn't look like a real Harley. It looks like yeah. a sports bike. Yeah. Yeah. Seems seems very weird. Like it just it seems like some companies are synonymous with gasoline and and muscle and and, and the sound, the rumble, and things like that. But, you know, it's funny that cars over the past five years or so, they have been pumping in fake audio into the into the vehicle to kind of give you that sound still um, just because these cars are getting becoming more efficient and more quiet that they actually have to provide that sound for people to make them feel like they're going fast or they feel like they're they have a, a strong motor. So, yeah, I no, mean, that's definitely a thing. Yeah. E- even the Mach-E. By default, it has fake engine sounds. You'd have to turn that off to whisper mode where you don't hear anything at all. And then they have an unbridled mode, I believe, or something like that, where basically it pumps in the sounds like an, like an old school Mustang while you're driving an EV, which is very, very interesting. I, I will say, though, on the, on the flip side of that, the first time I was ever in a Tesla and someone like revved it up to like 85 or 90, I like, could not get over how cool it was that it was that quick and we were going that fast while it was like so quiet like, mm-hmm. to me that I, was that was cool so there are people out there i, I hear what you're saying that it's like they want to feel the uh power when they hit the button to start the car or, or turn the key you know they want to hear that engine rev they want you know when they're going down the highway and they speed up they want to hear that but um i i thought it was cool seeing it how quiet it was that like holy shit this yeah. car is like the teslas are fast yeah definitely yeah, yeah there's uh i mean there's two like i said there's two sides to the coin some people just don't want change. Like some people have a hard time saying like, this is what a car reminds me of. A car has this engine sound. I can feel the motor underneath me rumbling. I can feel these things. And if they don't feel that, they're disappointed. Like like car people, like my dad, he's a car person. When he's in my car, he said it feels like a toy. It doesn't feel like a car to him. Like he needs to feel those things. And there's certain people that need to feel those things. And, and sort of as we're making this transition to EV, I think there's gonna be a lot of things that sort of bridge the gap together to kind of show people like, hey, this may not be the car you expect, but here are some features that remind you of a car, but things are a little bit different now and kind of help people along the way. Like a big one is going to be that one pedal driving. So EVs, they have regenerative braking. So if you let go of the accelerator, the car starts to slow down. And a lot of cars feature something called one pedal driving. So like right now, even the Rivian, that when you're driving, you let go of the accelerator, the car will stop. And that's it. You don't have to push the brake. And then you hit the accelerator, it goes, and you pull off a little bit, it starts slowing down. So you don't actually use the brake unless you need to stop much faster. A lot of people by default, when they get into an EV, I've seen it, and it was actually me as well, turn that feature off. I don't like that. I want to hit the brake. I want to do these things. I did that. <laughs> yeah. And so Rivian said, you know what? We actually are not allowing you to turn that off because that is a feature that makes EV driving great. And that's how you get better, you know, better range too by doing the exact same thing. Um, they did mention they may actually give that feature back to let people turn that off because it's sort of like some people are very uncomfortable with it. But that's one of the things with EVs that it's a different driving experience. And I think it's going to take time for the mass public to understand it is just a different type of vehicle. My only thing with the one pedal drive, I think for everyday driving, like it's totally fine. 
um obviously like it makes the car better but when i was like driving those uh, some evs like hard like around corners trying to like brake at the right moment and stuff like that that totally threw me off i was like i want to know when i'm braking so i can like make the most out of this corner or whatever like if you're driving them fast i don't know that it makes sense necessarily i feel like it's like with all technology right like sometimes they'll put out computer programs or whatever that are still kind of buggy and it's like not a big deal because they're making constant improvements and whatever but we shouldn't do that with cars right like they shouldn't put out uh you know things that are buggy and just like try to improve the technology along the way it when that can actually have like real consequences definitely yeah 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 and, and that's definitely tesla's mo a lot of software updates get get pushed out that may not be 100 percent ready but there is an option in the car where you can turn off advanced auto advanced updates so there's the beta software that's completely different then there's like advanced software which may not be beta but i don't i don't think it's like fully tested by many people and then there's like the standard release right so you can just set it up where you get the standard release update and not like the incremental updates in between, I guess. And then they have pushed out hot fixes too to fix issues with the car. But I, I will say I haven't ran to a feature that, that wasn't beta that made me feel unsafe in my car. Like it has been rock solid 100% of the way. Um, the times where it hasn't been rock solid is when I started doing the experimental beta features, which, which is understandable, but I just don't think those should be on the car in the first place, even as beta. Yeah. Yeah, I completely completely agree. Makes sense to me. But yeah, I mean, that pretty much covers our thoughts on uh on the Rivian, I think, and uh I see Tony hanging out in the background there, so we could probably wrap this segment up, but uh Kevin, it yeah, was awesome you. having you on the show. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. Yeah, appreciate it. Of course, of course. Thank you guys thanks. for for coming on. Kevin, you got to uh obviously keep in touch with Rohan who will keep us in the loop, but anytime you have new content coming out, you're reviewing a new product, maybe we, we bring you on and uh, you can talk about that product, talk about that car, whatever it is. For sure, yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Beautiful. All right, Kevin, Rohan, y'all enjoy the rest of your day. All right, thank you. Peace, Kevin. All right, y'all. Um, I see Daniel in the chat asking, does Toyota have plans for a Tacoma EV? I don't know off the top of my head, but I would bet yes. I would, I would agree with that. I bet they do. What did you say? Oh, Aaron says they have a Tundra oh, EV, a Tundra coming, EV out? coming out. Yeah, I mean, Toyota's trucks have actually been... Uh, Toyota became the biggest, the most selling car manufacturer in the U.S. this year, I think for the first time, over GM. Yeah. And a lot of that was due to the Tundra and Tacoma. So Toyota's pickup truck sales kind of cutting into the, to the U.S. Uh, market share of pickup it, trucks. It was also GM not having chips. Well, right, to, to, Toyota had the... Uh, but yeah, a better handle of the production yeah. from the from the supply chain issues, so they were able to have more trucks on the market. Uh, but we'll see if that trend continues. Or hey, not. can I bomb your charger? Yeah, thank you. Uh, hey, it's one seventeen. We're gonna bring on our next guest here in a couple minutes, Tony Benson. We're talking patterns. If you have a question on a um, on a stock or a chart, Tony's your guy. All right, so save any of your questions for for that segment coming up in a couple minutes here. Before we do that, let's just take take stock pun intended, of the overall market here. Let's bring up my Benzinga Pro. Let's just see where we stand today. So broadly speaking, uh, tech had, tech was strong. Um, I, I guess it still is relative. Like some of the FANG names you see are up today, Microsoft, Google, Facebook. Um, 
But the strength has subsided a little bit as the day has gone on. You're seeing red across the board there. Uh, every major index is down today. Spy, Q's, Russell. <laughs> Please, the Russell is down every day. Every day, it seems like the Russell is down. Um, so broad-based weakness, uh, you're, you're really your outperformance today is in energy. That's really where, where your, uh, your, your money is, is hiding today for the most part. And then uh, before we bring on Tony, I wanted to look at Sam, Boston Beer Company. We have, we, have we talked about this today? I don't think we have. We talked about it yesterday, not on the show, but not, yesterday but not today. afternoon. Uh, yeah, I mean, look, the company is citing supply chain issue. But here, here's oh, what I'll man. say. If I were the CEO or the you know chief marketing officer or something of a company, and we were struggling with revenue, growth, demand issues, it, right now, I would throw supply chain issues in there as a nice little like, hey, it's well, not nothing wrong with our company. We're just having some supply chain. Can issues. I show? You, can we show you what the what the 8K said last night? This is from the company. I'll zoom in for you. I'll make this easier to read here because I, I realize that it's it's small. So okay, this first paragraph is where I'm reading. All right, I'm um, counting this as my. I have a New Year's resolution about books that I've read this year, and I'm counting this. This this can count towards like a chapter of the book, not the whole book. I don't know. I mean, 8K. <laughs> It's not 8,000 pages. Okay. Um, uh, okay. So let's start here. Um, demand here. De- consumer demand for the company's products has been at the high end of the company's scroll, scroll, expectations. Demand is strong. However, with a capital H, we now estimate that shipment growth for the company's products and gross margins will be below guidance. Why? Well, they told us the estimated lower shipment growth scroll is primarily a result of more aggressive wholesaler inventory reduction. So demand is strong, but not from the wholesalers who are the ones buying in bulk here. Um, primarily affecting truly. Are, 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 is no one drinking? Are we not buying Truly anymore, Aaron? I mean, do you not buy it anymore? Do I? I don't. I never really. I, it. I think the the hard seltzer market is just way oversaturated right now. Oh, I should mention this. Additionally, due to higher than expected supply chain costs, yeah, supply chain costs. So, but mostly it's the first thing. It's the inventory reduction on Truly. Back to the chart we go. Um, so, they're saying that people aren't buying hard seltzer. I never got the hard seltzer thing to begin with. I was n- I've never been a hard seltzer guy. I'm- Dude, all right. So so Anheuser Busch alone, right? Uh, yeah. They have Bud Light seltzer. Okay. They have Natty Light seltzer. Yeah. Okay. They wait, have- wait, wait. Natty Light seltzer? Yeah. Are you for real? Yeah. That must be disgusting. I don't know. I'm sure that's the most disgusting thing ever. Um, they have. Put it. Tell us if you in the chat if you've had Natural Light seltzer before. I I have not. Well, actually, maybe I have. What a joke. I don't know. Anyway, I'm, I'm just looking at uh, the brands right now. All right, so here are all your beers. Bud can Light you, Seltzer, can, like I can mentioned. You, can you accept cookies? It's going to bother me. Where? Oh, down here. Thank you. Why do I, I want? Or, or you don't have to. Just get it. Thank you. Um, Natty Light Seltzer. Okay. <laughs> Wait, Matt, Matty Ice says it's not bad. The Natty, the Natty Light Seltzer. Natty. No, it's, it's actually got... pretty delicious, honestly. I'm, I was pretty impressed. I refuse to believe this, but okay. <laughs> then you've got uh, Bone and Viv, which is a spiked seltzer. Neutral. What is that? Vodka, seltzer, real juice. <sighs> okay. Uh, you have kombucha, which I guess is like a kombucha hard seltzer. Oh, wait. Rita's. Thing. I like Rita's. 
Is that a hard seltzer? Yeah, the, isn't Doritos like a ice thing? Um, like like it, it's like a it's it's like the the isn't it like the strawberry? Is that what I'm thinking of? No, is that something else? I think I think I'm thinking it's like the strawberry. Yeah, I, and then I, I don't know if even if they have any more. Anheuser Busch launches Social Club Seltzer. It's like Anheuser Busch alone has tried like six different seltzers. You have Coors Seltzer, you have Corona Seltzer. The seltzer market is like the most oversaturated thing. When it was just Truly and White Claw, it was it was a, it was wait, a killer for wait, Sam. Wait, wait, wait. What are you saying? Are you saying that every company just copied and hopped on the seltzer train? Yes. No way. Refuse to believe. Of course, of course, that's what happened. Uh, anyway, the seltzer market is oversaturated. It's like when uh, uh, people went crazy for the Popeye's chicken sandwich, and now like you can get a chicken sandwich at Taco Bell. Yeah, yeah. McDonald's put one out. Burger yeah. King put one out. There's no such thing as innovation in uh, food and beverage. It's just copying. Uh, I would be curious to get our next guest thoughts on Sam. Uh, Tony Benton, uh, Patterns in uh, a Flash. And uh, Tony, holler at us if you're ready. I think he's ready. Yeah, he's getting ready. He's getting the water. He's good to go. Tony, can you share your charts for us, please? And uh, can we start with Sam? I'd be curious to see what you – I'm sure this is not one that you typically trade. Yes. But, oh, nice monitors, man. Nice screen. That's a wide – is that one screen there at the bottom? Are you talking about behind me? Yeah. Yeah, that's a 49-inch curved. I love it. Wow. 49-inch uh-huh. curved monitor. I didn't even That's know they impressive. made them that big. I started searching around for a new one, and I saw that, and I was like, okay, I got to have one of those at least. That I got one impressive. just to start. I might get a second one, but. That's impressive. It's a, it's a pretty right. good setup right now, so I'm I'm content at this point. Wow. <laughs> All right. So here we got a chart of Sam. This, this, this stock was like $1,300 a year ago. It's $400 today um, and going lower um, off this headline here, but. From a from a just from a chart of purely chart perspective, Tony, do you see anything of interest here? Well, as usual, I always go back and look at the entire history. But uh, this is a beer company. Yeah, Sam Adams. I heard you guys talking about it earlier today, and I didn't even look at it. But uh, that's a little crazy to think a beer company is at twelve hundred bucks. But I guess if it's worth I it, I know, I know, prices can can. Get out of hand here. I I agree with you on that, but um, a lot yeah. of that run up, like I said, was driven by Seltzer, hard Seltzer, and yeah. Um, also, I think they, uh, I think they're the ones that acquired. Uh, who acquired? Um, what was it? The ticker was Brew, Craft Brew Alliance. Somebody bought them. Was it Molson Coors? Or was it? Or was it Sam? I forget who. Anyway, whatever. Uh, does the chart say anything here, or not really? Um, just that we're basically at a support level there. I mean, after after a big fall like this, obviously there's not much you can do. I mean, and this is one reason I love patterns. You see the beautiful head and shoulders up here. Obviously, it's too late for that. Um, which is where patterns of the flash came from. That was a frustrating part I had. But um, from what's going on right now, I mean, if it, I mean, obviously we've broken to a new low, and this is updated today. Um, so that's today's candle. It's not real time live, but. Uh, so if we break that support level, which looks like we're right there, basically, then the next level down is 347. I mean, there's no, nothing spectacular here, no pattern or anything that I can see other than just breaking to a new low. So that's all there is to it. 
Yeah, and sometimes making that's all new it is. Lows, making new lows, it's time. Looks like it's go. got the momentum to keep going, so wish I'd have seen it yesterday, but what it should have could. Well, right? yesterday, yesterday the news wasn't out yet, so... Oh, what was the news on it again? I heard you say that earlier. I forgot. Yeah, they 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 said that they're they're basically they may not be profitable this year because of the the um, wholesale inventory reduction for Truly. So uh, oh. they, they had to lo- they had to lower their earnings guidance for the year. Uh, that came out after the close. So <laughs> we'll give it a year. Once it. the inflation continues to go and people start to lose their jobs and they're unemployed, they'll start drinking again. Maybe, maybe, <laughs> maybe there's a trade there. I don't know. It's always uh, been crazy to me being in, doing this as long as I have it. You know, liquor companies and makeup companies, um, tobacco companies usually do well in a recession. So. You want your inflation hedge? Your recession hedge is there. We go beer yeah. and and wine and spirits. That's it. Yeah. Um, okay, let's move on from the same. What's on your list today, Tony? What have you traded so far? Well, <clears throat> um, I just noticed I got hit on on uh, Morgan Stanley, which is nice. Um, but things I'm watching this DWAC. Let me get for a, we'll start with the bullish one because there's not a whole lot, uh, not a whole lot of bullishness going on right now. But uh, this is, uh, I think we, I don't remember if we were on when this came out, but I remember watching this. It was totally nuts. Um, the digital world acquisition, which is Trump's. Yeah, um, it, it's it's media. the only. It's literally the only SPAC that the. Uh, no, I should rephrase. It's the only celebrity tied SPAC. That is not down like seventy five percent, like yeah. from its highs. Like it's the well, only I'm assuming one. That, I'm assuming that this pop came from the Joe Rogan news because Joe Rogan got on there and brought like a million people instantly to it. Oh, really? I didn't even know that. Yeah, that was a that was a few days ago or a week ago. So I, that's what created this big pop. And I think um, we've got an ascending triangle. And the fact that a lot of other tech companies are getting beat up and these guys are growing, at least at the moment. Uh, I think that's part of the reason we're seeing it, it pop like we are. So I wouldn't be surprised to see it keep going. So, well, the options yeah, are mean, super like, expensive on it too. Oh yeah, I can't even. Are they? I can't even imagine. Yeah, because I, I think um, everyone's I mean, waiting on February or something when the app is supposed to launch. What's that? I don't know. I think they were supposed to wait launch the app in February. Um, I don't know. It, it's this thing is its own beast. There are a handful of stocks that just are their own. They move in a vacuum. They don't care about what the market does. They just do whatever they, the hell they want. You yeah. Know, D, D, DWAC is one of them. So it's sort of its yeah. own animal. Um, so. Okay. So so just to clarify, you are long DWAC right now. Um, I'm not long. I don't have a position on it, but I'm looking oh. at it, watching it to see if there's an entry point. So okay. I may I may get into it long if it gives me an entry point. Right now, I'm. Who knows what's going to happen? So I usually don't get it unless there's a, a very clear pattern or it's a good entry point, which right now we've got a little ascending triangle. It's new. Usually stocks that are this new, I don't trade um, just because there's not enough history and there's not really very often clear patterns. This is a fairly clear ascending triangle, nice little breakout. So I'm going to watch if it kind of dances around the 65 level a little bit for a few days, as long as it doesn't break back below it, especially if the market keeps tanking, then I'll look at getting long. But I, uh, I made a habit of being learning to be more patient and waiting for things to to settle in. And if I miss it, I miss it. It's tough when you miss them, but you know it's frustrating. But at the same time, it's better to. There's an old saying by pilots: it's better to be on the ground wishing you're in the air to be in, than to be in the air wishing you're on the ground, right? Yeah. So. 
Um, okay, so we we have a uh, a decent setup, a potential setup there in DWAC. Yeah. Uh, what else we got? Uh, Home Depot. <coughs> Sorry about the cough. This is the that's my COVID cough. I had it a few weeks ago, and it's still lingering. Yeah. So. Oh, yeah. Wait. That's a, that's a thing. Thank you for reminding me. I'm sorry I didn't ask about that. How are you feeling? Let's let's put the charts away for a second. How are we doing? I'm good. It was uh, it was short lived. I was actually I was on my feet 12 hours the first day, and uh, just had a almost like a little bit of a you know that achiness you get when you get the flu, but really really mild. And I literally walked around. We were at a, a theme park all day. For 12 hours and i was fine the next day i was pretty much 90 percent, and so it was like okay a one day thing so oh that's great yeah so it was it was no big deal for me so but the cough just keeps lingering so especially when i talk a lot so i'm um, gonna blame you for that yeah oh well uh, <laughs> i've been blamed for worse that that's awesome because like when i had it it was literally i think my second day of symptoms was the worst day and it it wasn't even so bad where I, I, I mean, I still like, I stupidly did this, but I like, I went into work that day. That was like the, the, the wrong thing to do. But like, my point is I felt well enough to, to like still do that, even though I felt kind of bad. Um, and then from there it was like, it was like a slow and steady, just March upwards. So yeah, it wasn't even really that bad uh, for, for uh, fortunately. Yeah. Um, it was really bad. Both my kids got it too. And, my son was in bed for a day, and then he was fine. My daughter barely had yeah. any symptoms at all, so she just had a little fever for a little and, bit. And wait, you you just had it, so like odds are, you know what to know unless you got tested. But I, odds are, you probably had Omicron. I did not have Omicron. I had I had it before that. Um, yeah, I have no idea. We did a home test, and they all showed up positive. Yeah. So we all had symptoms. And they all showed up positive. So I figured if we're all positive, we all have symptoms. So we don't. I don't know what it actually was. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. For, thank God for the for the vaccine for me because I have asthma. But anyway, back to the charts. Oh, wait, and just to clarify in the chat, yes, it's true. You cannot buy Yingling in Michigan. It is ridiculous. It's, I don't, it's like a, I don't know why. <laughs> you can't buy Yingling in Michigan and it sucks. But back to the charts. Um, where were we? I, I, I've forgotten. I've, I lost track of where we were. Oh, Home Depot. Right. Okay. Yeah, this was, uh, well, it's a little late right now. In fact, that was cranky. I had to I had to take my kids to school this morning. There's two or three days a month I have to take them, and I have to leave right at opening of the market. And I was going to wow. add to this. I got into some of this yesterday, just hoping. I mean, there's a double top, right? Double top here are the midpoints right here, which we're looking forward to break there. If it breaks there, then it's probably headed lower. Um, so I jumped the gun a little bit yesterday on towards the close, seeing that we had, I mean, it's not technically a bearish engulfing pattern, but kind of, sort of. Um, so I went with it, just picked up a really tiny position just in case it moved. And then I was going to add to it. I was going to add to it at 383. And then if it kept going, I was going to add to it at 377. But it gapped right through that 383. And then I was in the car. And by the time I got home after dropping my kids off, it was at 375 or 374. So, and it's still down there right now. So I never got a chance to add to it, but I'm looking forward to bounce here about 370. If it holds this support level and bounces a little bit, then I'll... Um, if it rolls back up, I will add to it then. So we'll see what happens. Right now, I'm just going to ride it as far as it'll go to the downside. So, All right. What were you? You were saying something about? Did I hear you say something about the Russell just before we got started? I just making it crack that it never goes higher. I I, oh. I wasn't. I mean, I was sort of being serious, but it. <laughs> wait, I pull up a chart. This has been on my radar for. I mean, I've been watching this the whole year, and and yeah. Because the Russell, as I'm sure everybody knows, is, <laughs> excuse me, um, the small caps 
And typically mm -hmm. small caps bring us out of recession, but the little companies get hit when things are worse. So um, I think if we crack that support level that we're setting at right now, I think that's the beginning of the, the big retracement, in my opinion, of course. But um, this is something I've been watching for a while. So, and once I think, like I said, I think if we close below there, especially today or in a big way, then uh, who knows how low it'll go. I saw somebody earlier was asking about the spiders, but. Wait, wait, hold on. We go back to the, the, so, so if we close, let's say today, I don't know, let's say we close at 29, 15, sorry, 21, 15. Uh, hypothetically, does that mean you're lining up on Tuesday for a short? 21, 15. Yeah, absolutely. I'll be, I'll be, I'll be, I'll turn, I'll turn more bearish than I've been. I've been fairly bearish for the last year, even yeah. though the market keeps going, which you can look at things to see and be bearish, but have, <laughs> bull market yeah. can keep going for a long time. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, if, if we crack, if we crack that level, I'm pretty certain we're, we're going to head lower probably for the better part of this year. I think that, I think a longer term downtrend will be in play for sure. So uh, again, my opinion. So there was something interesting, too. I read this in an article. I wonder if I can find it real quick. I can't remember what the numbers were exactly, but I think I might have it here. There's an analyst at, I think that's it. Let's hope it is. Excuse me. Yeah, Doug Ramsey. I thought this was really interesting. Um, I actually just snapped this off the thing. Um, Chief Investment Officer Luthold Group. I'm not even sure who that is, but he said the S&P closed a 52-week high. 334 companies on the New York Stock Exchange hit a 52-week low, more than double the amount marked new one-year highs. It's happened only three times in history. That's what caught my attention. All of them were December 99. I mean, yeah, it, it, it's, it's, it's very hard to wrap your head, for all of us, to wrap our head around the fact that so many stocks are breaking down Mm -hmm. and, and for that matter, have been in, in pretty persistent downtrends going back to February of last year. Mm -hmm. Yet at the same time, the S the SPY and the and the QQQ or the SPY the S and P five hundred and the Nasdaq are at not at but damn near new all time highs, mm -hmm. right? And what a couple percentage points off it, um, and it. It, it it begs the question. So there's two scenarios there. There's like, well, what happens? And we all know why. We we all know why the the spies and Qs have done better. It's because they're heavily weighted into in the mega cap. That's the the same six tech stocks, right? Um, so there's two questions, right? What happens when if and when those break down? What happens if we actually get a sustained period of weakness in Apple, Amazon, Facebook, Netflix, Tesla, Alphabet, um, or and 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 that's the bear case, right? Like like that's the bear argument. What happens if and when that happens, we're 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 screwed. But then the other side is, what happens if like all these stocks that were in downtrends start coming back, right? So it's it's one or the other. It's sort of that's how how kind of how I think about this sort of thing. But you're right. It, it it's a great stat. It breaks your brain to think about it. It makes no sense. It it doesn't. It defies logic, but. When you look at it and realize that the big indexes, the Qs, the Spiders, the SPX, the NASDAQ especially, are heavily weighted with the big one, the big guys, the Microsofts, the Fangs, yeah. right? The, the Facebook, Apple, Google, Netflix, all those big ones make up a big percentage of it. So as long as those keep going, then the overall market looks like it's still going. And this has happened historically. It's the way it's always been. Right? The overall market may continue to look bullish, but there's a ton of stocks 
that are actually very bearish and have been for some time. I'm going to go look at what was the one that just popped up. Um, it's into my list here. Um, Pinterest, I think it was. I mean, it was at 100, I, I can't remember the number exactly, but 100, 120 bucks six, eight months ago. Now it's at 30 and it's continuing lower. Chewy is another one that was huge. You know, a lot of these internet tech stocks are just not, they've been down in a down, like you said, they've been in a downtrend for months, if not a year. So, but the, the big high flyers keep the, the big market looking like it's continuing higher. Right. And, 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 the the thing I I don't like about that stat you showed is like like the, the comparison to ninety nine and like the implic what's the implication there Tony right the implication is like oh the crash is coming which like yeah it, it's it's apples to oranges right it's like it's apples to fish this market in so many ways is so different than than the dot com bubble for for one we have uh, a entirely different uh, Fed situation. Uh, the economy is different. I mean, uh, we have inflation. Um, you know, uh, there's a lot of tech stocks that, frankly, are not overvalued because they've been crushed this year, last year, right? Mm -hmm. So the implication is that the crash is coming because the 1999, but like, we don't know that. I, I so I, I respect the stat. I'm sure it's correct, but I sort of resent the implication a little bit because, yeah, I don't. You know what I mean? No, I know. And I, I get a lot yeah. of times with the, the, the people that I coach is um, sometimes I get, especially new people that don't know me and and how I trade, what I look at is that uh, you're so negative. And I, if my account's going up when the market's dropping, that's positive for me. I mean, from an overall perspective, I don't necessarily want to see the market crash because obviously that hurts people financially. Yeah. But if it does, then I mean, I can't do anything about the bigger picture. I can only control what is in front of me. Right. So um, I'm more of the opinion it's better to be prepared and know how to take advantage of a crash if it does. At least get out of the way. At least don't, because <laughs> honestly, I don't know. My brother just said a few months ago, he's, yeah, I, I think the market's going to crash, but, and he's just a long-term investor. He doesn't do any of this stuff. And he just said, well, I hope it just does it so that I can retire at some point. <laughs> and to me, it doesn't make sense. Like if you expect it to crash, then why would you not get out of the way? I think, like people just, I think people just want... What's Tony, that? people just people just look for a reason, and I, I think don't. a lot of it a lot of it comes down to. I've said that this is my theory is that like uh, a lot of people are, are mesmerized by what happened in 0809 and the Big Short and Michael Burry and those guys. Whether it was yeah. the book or they saw the movie and they they loved it and they're mesmerized by that. And now they're looking for any reason, whether it's the fiscal cliff or the Greece sovereign debt crisis or inflation or. Um, uh, you you China nuclear war with North Korea you name it the people have cited that as a reason for why the market's going to crash yeah. uh, the Fed has ruined the market uh, but on the other hand we just we're getting through a a the first major global pandemic in a hundred years and the the U.S. economy has has been ripping right I mean um, the stock market obviously we discussed has, has, has gone higher. Uh, broadly speaking, um, so the, the first pandemic in a hundred years couldn't keep this market down. You think, you, you think whatever you think is the reason will be, will is going to be the reason? I I don't know. I just I don't know. I to your point though, if you think the market's going to crash, do something about it, and then exactly. at least you put your money where your mouth is. Honestly, I'm of the opinion I really don't care what the market does. As long as I'm moves. with you. I'm with you, Tony. <laughs> I'm a, a short-term trader. I don't buy stuff for long term. I don't hold. I don't hold anything long term. 
I mean, everything I do is short term. I'm in and out. I mean, I got into Microsoft two days ago with some puts. Yeah. Crushed it. And I'm out of most of it. I still got a little bit there. So, yeah. I just, uh, I'm looking forward to take advantage, take advantage of the moves, whether it's up or down. I don't really care. So, yeah, I'm with you because I, uh, I'm the opposite, but for the, you know, in the, for the same way, I'm, I'm so long term. If the market were to crash tomorrow, that's cool. In, in 20 years, I won't care. So. Yeah. <laughs> that, well, that's kind of my brother's attitude. So. In, in 20 years, I'm, I'm not going to care that the market crashed tomorrow. So what difference does it make? Yeah, in, the, I, in, the, I, in the short term, it would suck. I have, I have a lot own. of folks that, that are in my, you know, that, that subscribe to my tool that are just bulls. And yeah. they only want to play the bullish side. And they, that's fine. But if the market does turn bearish, then get out of the way. Let it fall. And that's then exactly right. When the time Tony, is right, then buy back in. Tony, can you pull up? Wait, what, what, this is what? This is the spy we're looking at? What are we looking at? Okay. Yeah, it's the spy. Can, Somebody was can, mentioned can, in the chat I, right before. I, I want to run my theory by you. This is my theory for the year. Okay. And if we, and I'm, only, I'm only looking at the last three or four months. Um, I think we got to prepare for ourselves for a serious just sideways year. Chop, 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 up, down, up, down, up, down constantly. I think that may be – I mean, it, we're, we're two weeks into the year right now, but, like, that's sort of where my head is at, where we just get chopped all year long. What say you about that? I I would agree. I think there's two. I don't think there's a whole lot of bullish upside. I really don't. I think yeah. it's either a sideways move or a significant pullback. The question is how far and how fast. If it does drop, how far and how fast does it go? And then how fast does it recover? So I, <laughs> I think I think this earnings season coming up is going to be will probably give us some indication. I think that the general market will get a little better feel for it, depending on what. I mean, earnings starts what next week? Alcoa comes out on the nineteenth. Well, we had the banks today. Um, yeah. So, speaking of banks. Yeah, and that uh, obviously they got beat up, which is perfectly fine with me because I had some puts on Morgan. So, just uh, oh, right, right as we got started, it hit. So I'm out of that with a not a huge profit, but a little bit. So, <clears throat> but mainly, I mean, I'll wait and see. Like on the spiders here, we have obviously there's a longer term trend that we have in place. That line that's there. Um, there's a little bit, I mean, you could make an argument. There's a head and shoulders here, but I, I wouldn't call it that big. Um, once there's a, once there's more of a reversal type of pattern, like with the Russell is a perfect example. It's been stuck in that range for a year. If it breaks that lower level, that's a big event. So that's a big deal for the Russell. Um, the spiders though, the SPX, I think when there's a clear pattern, a clear bearish pattern, if that happens, then I'd get more bearish on this. So, um, and there's a miniature little head and shoulders here, but not that great. But this trend line that we've got, we've broken as of today. So somebody, somebody in the chat was asking about the next level. And yeah, I think about 450, 454 is the next, if it holds here, if it continues to fall, it will probably dig in right here because we've got the previous resistance. Plus it's bounced there a couple of times. Imagine the 200 days about, uh, if it doesn't hold that, the next level is a 200 day, 440. So. If you have any tickers on your mind, um, drop him in the chat. We can have Tony look at them. He's going to hang out with us for a few more minutes. Yeah, I'll throw um, it Well, here's Chewy. There's that one that that brought up. So you hit 115. It's a 140, or it's at 43 now. Another example of a, a tech company that, you know, is just getting crushed. The question is, at what point do they dig in? And when does it, when do the fundamentals come back in and the, their valuation is reasonable again where people will buy the stock? And from a technical perspective... I mean, little tiny spots right there, but if they don't hold. 
Wait, Ashton's asking what an HS is. Ashton, I don't, I don't HS? know if I follow. The head and shoulders. I, I, oh, that's probably what he's referring to. I yeah, I suppose it, I because I, you probably use the shorthand and I it went in one ear yeah, out the other. What's a head and uh, shoulders? Head, yeah, head and shoulders. Ashton HS is Tony's shorthand for head and shoulders. It's a pattern where it looks like a head and two shoulders. <laughs> um, that's basically it. Uh, okay, couple couple tickers from the chat here. Yeah. You want to look at this is a funny one. You, you want to look at Discovery D I S C A. Um, I saw that. Yeah. Finally started going up. This has been. Uh... <laughs> oh my yeah, God. this pops up on my radar now and then. I've I've noticed it kind yeah. of building this little base. Yeah. So. Crazy. Crazy stuff. This one and uh, what's the other? There's another one in the same space. I can't. Yeah, remember. Viacom V I A C. The you. charts are the charts are identical. Yeah. So we'll look at one. That's like Lowe's. I mean, Lowe's is in a Head and Shoulders. Home Depot's in a double top. It's like if you're going to trade trade one, don't trade them both. Doesn't make any sense. Um, so nice little, I mean, nice little breakout there. There's not any huge. I mean, you could call this a double bottom, but that's a little bit of a stretch. Uh, but definitely a nice breakout to the upside with some volume. Not sure what created that if there was news, but uh, next target's up about 33. That's the next major point there. So the question is, is it worth risk? Is there a risk reward that's worth it? And that's where it always gets challenging. So if we put a stop there and a target right at about 33. I think it's probably a little bit too far at this moment, but. 2899. I'm going to bother color coding these, but. So if this pulled back to that 28, or if you're already long, I mean, it looks like the target's target's probably about 33. So from a technical perspective, and that's, again, that's all I'm looking for. I'm looking for a, a quick move to the upside is what I'd be looking for here. But it looks like it's got a little momentum, so. But. Uh, and then, I'm sorry, I, I didn't realize the question was about what the head and shoulders pattern means. Um Tony, you're, you're, you're the pattern expert, so why do just throw it to you? What, what does the head and shadow, uh, shoulders pattern uh, usually predict? Uh, it predicts a, a top, basically. Well, and that's the beauty of patterns is there's a head and shoulders and an inverted head and shoulders. They're the same thing. One's bullish, one's bearish. Um, and I've got it for you here. Ready? I'll make this quick, yeah. though. Oh, yeah. I love this stuff. But basically, we have, you know, if a stock's in an uptrend, right, we get higher highs, higher lows. And then it breaks the previous high, rallies back up. And it's a lot like, I mean, if you think of your own physical body, you got your head and your shoulders, right? That's what the pattern looks. That's why it's called the head and shoulders. And then we draw what's called the neckline, which is between the two troughs there, which would be, you know, if you're thinking of your body right here, if it breaks the neckline, the odds are that it's headed lower. So um, that's a, it's, it's a reversal pattern. So, and that's what we're looking for is if it breaks that neckline, then... Like I said, the odds are good it's going lower. There's there's all kinds of volume. There's all kinds of little nuances to it that you want to watch for. Um, but this is by far my favorite. And honestly, this is what I've been pretty much watching for on the overall market, the S&P. Uh, if you go back to 2008, there's a very clear head and shoulders. 
that gave us an indication that that the reversal was coming. So, um, so if that shows up with the S and P in a in a bigger way, then that would definitely be an even bigger red flag for me. But that answer the question. Ashton's answer the question. I think it. Yeah, I think it does. Thank you. Uh, okay, so back to the stocks. We had discovery. You did. Uh, you did that one. O N T O. O N T O. I don't know if O N T O. Onto. Onto innovation. I don't even know. I don't even know this one. What is yeah, this? Wow, the chart looks amazing. Well, what does this company do? Uh, it's a semiconductor. All right, I am unfamiliar with this. Well, that makes sense why they're at 100 bucks then, why they're raging. Yeah. So, um, well, nice little segue. This is perfect. I mean, it's not formed yet, but if this thing was to roll over from here, if it doesn't break out to a new high and it dropped off from here, we'd have a head and shoulders pattern. If, but right now it's an if. And just like, oh, well, Aaron. Aaron was on when we were talking with J&J. Mm-hmm. If you remember, well, do you buy before it drops down? It's like, no, you wait for it to break the neckline because J&J turned and went north big time. But uh, yeah, it's a tricky one. I mean, as far as, you know, the ultimate question always comes down to what are you looking for? I mean, are you are you looking to buy this thing go long term? Um, I don't know. I, wait, where, I mean, where, where yeah. is that? Yeah, quantum. Is this the long term thing? Is it a short term thing? Are you if a bullish bias, a bearish bias, you maybe you don't know. Yeah, if, I mean if you're looking for a longer term, you know, position to buy this thing, I'd probably wait for it to either pull back or break out to a new high. If it breaks out the, if it breaks the highs, then it will probably continue. If not, I'd wait for this thing to pull back. So of course they're coming out with earnings here in I don't know, two or three weeks. Earnings can be a wild card. You never know what's gonna happen. So um it really, and that's what's hard is, I mean, I can analyze it and show you that, you know, if it rolls over, we got a head and shoulders, if it breaks out to a new high, um, I'd wait for, for, personally, I'd wait for it to pull back to about 95, this little trend line that's there. And there's also some uh, horizontal support right there, about around 95. If you're bullish on it long-term and you think that it's going to go higher, I'd either wait for it to come back to 95 or wait for it to break out to about 104, 105, my opinion. You want to look at PayPal? Ooh, we asked. Uh, we get asked about PayPal basically every single day. It's just one of those stocks. Yeah, this is one I'm. I'm cranky. I didn't get in here at two fifty on the downside because there's a, a. It's not a beautiful descending triangle, but it's not bad. There's lots of these that you know. It's easy all day long. You can look and see that you know woulda, shoulda, coulda. So it's a not a good syndrome to deal, but you got to deal with it. Happens all the time. Um. So yeah, it's down. Is it still down about five? I haven't looked at the because I, I haven't looked, these at, charts, looked but. at it today. Yeah, yeah. Check, let me check for you right now. Because this chart's I mean, up te- it, it, right it's, before we started. It, so. It's tech, so it's down. It's down two and a half, two or two and a third percent today. Yeah, yeah. So it's down four and a quarter. When I updated this, it was down five. So it's up a little bit from where this chart shows it. Just a little bit though, but we're breaking that low, which is never a bullish sign. Um, the question becomes at what point, wow, there's a lot of room still on the downside here. And the only real spot, I mean, there may be a little bit in here. Because all I'm looking for now, I mean, once there's uh, there's somewhat of a descending triangle here, which is a bearish continuation pattern, 
So you got, you know, whatever the trend is in place beforehand, which clearly here it's down, we get the same bottoms, right, where we have this flat base and then lower highs. So it's descending. It's a little triangle pattern that's descending. And if it breaks that lower end of the range, then the odds are it's going lower. And the beauty of these is we can get measured moves about 19 points. So if this thing continues... That would be the target, but I think 150 is probably realistic if it, if it continues lower. So there's still some room to the downside on PayPal. That's the story of the year on PayPal, room, room on the downside. Um, we'll do like yeah. one or two more. Okay, uh, we can do – well, actually, before I bring it up with Tony, let me, let me look at the chart make sure there's like an actual – no, I'm not going to do that one. Too small. Too Bro, small. Uh, to NBEV, NBEV, too small. Um, right. unless you want to look at it, Tony, I guess you're free to. And then the, uh, we'll do one more. If you uh, let's look at is there a head and shoulders on the cues? Kermo Trimo wants to know that. Let's look and see. Um, well, here, just remember that patterns are very subjective. I would call this more of a double top because you got two peaks that are about the same right there. So, and then this would be the midpoint, which is also the previous high here. So, uh, and we're obviously below that level right now. So I would call it, a, I would call it a double top and it's broken that 381, 380, 381 level. So if it stays below this 380 level, then the odds are we're going to head down probably, I think three, yeah, about 350, 353 is the next major level. If it gets back above 381, then we could come back up to 4 or 403. So, but that's the, the battle ends right there at 382. And yesterday they, the Bears cracked it. So the question is, will the Bulls come back and, and beat them or not? So, and if they don't, <coughs> whew, excuse me. <laughs> if they don't, I mean, if it, if it rallies back up here to, you know, 382 and just dances there and then starts to roll over. That's when I'd be getting bearish. Either get out of bulls positions or I'd be getting bearish on it. So simple little role reversal. I don't know if I've ever talked about that concept here, but it's they use it more support, than use it more than su- anything. Yeah, support becomes resistance, resistance becomes support. Yeah, one of the most common. Yeah. And just this most- this is one that just yesterday was beautiful. And it's just a simple little roll reversal trade. It wasn't anything great. He had a triple top on on Microsoft and it had broken it big time there a couple weeks ago. And when it got back up yesterday morning, 318, 319, I jumped on some puts. And then yesterday it was just like off to the races. So simple little concepts like that can make you a lot of money. That's the beauty of uh, technical. So, All right. We got a hop. Tony Benson, patterns in a flash. Tony, glad to, glad to know you're uh, you're feeling better, and I'll uh, talk to you again. Have a good one. Uh, enjoy yeah, the long that. weekend, man. All right. Yeah, you too. All righty. Uh, it, it is 1.58. We are going to wrap it up because the Mooner Bus guys are here live in studio. Oh, he's going to walk in front of the camera. Oh, my gosh. You just did that. Whoa. Not yes, allowed, Ryan. You just did that. Uh, here. Oh, wait. Can we zoom out? No, we can't. 
forget that. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> All right. Uh, they're here, so we got to vacate the premises so they can hop on. We're talking about, uh, what, getting paid to game? Is that right? Getting paid to play Axie Infinity. All right. If, if you're a gamer, you want to get paid to play Axie Infinity, I'm assuming you get paid via NFTs. Did I get that right? Via crypto. Via crypto. Same thing. Come on. What's the difference? Come on. What's the difference? All right, Ryan McNamara, Logan Ross, uh, the uh, crypto crew coming up next here. So that'll be a wrap for Aaron and I. Uh, hit the like button, please. Thank you. Um, hit subscribe. Uh, I'll, I'll be back on in an hour and a half for At The Close. Uh, we're off on Monday, so we won't be here. So everyone enjoy the long weekend. Have a long weekend. You as well, Spencer. And, um, and thank you, Easy Mike. Thank you for everyone who's stuck around today. Please smash the like and subscribe if you have not already. Uh, like Spencer said, off on Monday, but we'll see you all on Tuesday.